0: Get it going. It's time to get up.
1: A lot of emphasis put on signing George Springer in this offseason. He is the number one target for this franchise this offseason. As a free agent, they went out and they got their man.
2: These guys are here to break it all down. I'm not going to make excuses. Yeah, we haven't had exhibition games. Yeah, we've got some new players. You can make excuses or you can look for answers. And and I'm not going to use excuses. And I, and I don't think our players will either.
0: Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. All right, love you guys. See ya. Right. This is the starting lineup with James Zabulski and Perry Solkowski.
3: Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is game day here in the city. The first game day at Rogers Arena in 10 months. But well, we got a game tonight. What's going on? This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 on this Wednesday, January the 20th. James Cebulski here, Perry Sulkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Pear, it's been a, what a start to the morning for some people already celebrating as somebody's out of the White House. The Jays just spent $150 million on a player in George Springer, which is the equivalent of six Skydomes or Rogers Centers that they bought 15 years ago. And it is Kerry Price and Elias Pettersson ready to collide at Rogers Arena for a real National Hockey League game tonight, man. It's all happening.
4: Uh, one guy's leaving the White House, going up the rivers. The guy with the last name Rivers has retired in the last 10 minutes from the NFL. Uh, Philip Rivers just saying goodbye. I saw a great tweet that said, Philip Rivers is calling a career to finally just start a family. What does he have about dead kids already? It's all happening. You know what's crazy? March tenth, the last time the Canucks played, that was the Canucks telethon night, which I was involved when with, with Scott Rintoul and you know uh, members of the organization. I had dinner uh, in the in the Canucks kind of front office area with several of the members there, and at that point there was just kind of this little cloud of uncertainty above you We're know, what's going on with this coronavirus and ask someone in the organization okay so what's the setup and they go well with the nhl it's the old plan for the worst and hope for the best man even at that time who would have thought this was the worst we would late this long see what's happened but they're back in the rink. uh they're back with no shortage of storylines they are back with an old friend and uh, with one of the greats that this province has ever Put out a couple of them, in fact. In fact, three of them, if you look at Weber, Price, and Brendan Gallagher, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you don't see him watch James. Three and four for the Montreal Canadiens. It's going to be no, fun.
3: this is you know, the, the sad thing about this is that this is typically one of the hottest crowds of the year at Rogers Arena, oh, right? Oh, yes, in, in a normal situation. You know, Leafs fans, Habs fans, when they roll into the barn, you know, the crowd is split. You know, being there last year before the pandemic kind of shut everything down. But, man, that was a hot crowd. When the Habs roll in, you get about 8,000 Montreal Canadian fans, and they are loud and boisterous and ready to take over Rogers Arena. And then you got the 10,000-plus Canucks fans that have kind of drawn that line in the sand trying to hold the line, right? You know, it's like a little battle on the field within the crowd of hey no no this is still our place this is still our building we got to protect our house and you just have a hot crowd and and we don't have that tonight but I will say this this is the best Montreal Canadiens team that has rolled into Vancouver in years pair And they are off to a very good start after making huge changes. As much as we talk about the changes that the Canucks made and some people looking at, well, you know, chemistry might be an issue for this team trying to find their way here early in the season. Montreal Canadiens, they're ready to roll. Their only loss was an overtime loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs last week on opening night. But, man, this team looks stacked between the pipes on the blue line and even up front, no shortage of offense.
4: Surprised it's happened that quick, but yeah, they should be in the conversation. And here we are; we're just we're a week in. It's now a week from from opening night. Um, I, I watched a lot of the Colorado Avalanche play the Kings yesterday, and on the power play, you're just going, okay, this is ridiculous how this team can throw the puck around. But I think from from one through four, as far as lines are concerned, the size of the defense, and then we know Carey Price. What will be interesting tonight is yes, you need a bounce back game from the home team. But I think for the first time, you're also going to see for a Hoaglander especially, but Pedersen, man, that's a big, pretty mobile defense. And it's not like you can say the Edmonton Orders, a little bit more for the Calgary Flames, are a physical hockey team. And I don't think you think that it's going to be, hey, you know what, this is going to be physical. Everyone's hitting everyone. It's still taking a while for the bodies to get used to it. But, yeah, uh, as far as the best team in Canada right now, I think it is the Montreal Canadiens. They just don't have a weakness and can play in every way, shape, or form. And I'm surprised it's happened that quick because this is a team that barely got into the postseason, used the winning percentage to get in, but seems like they have carried right off from what they did in their run and added some pieces that seem to have come in there seamlessly. And if you give Carey Price a little bit of rest, yeah, they're going to be someone to be reckoned with. I can't see them of everybody. You can make a case who could fall out where they're going to fall on their face. I don't see it happening with the Canadians this year.
3: No, I think there's just, I mean, look, injuries can happen, but the one thing I look at, I guess if one people want to knock the Montreal Canadiens up front for a lack of, you know, alpha dog firepower, you know, they've got that bullpen by committee, right? Suzuki, Kotkiniemi, Gallagher, Tatar, Druin, Anderson, Toffoli. You look at the, the names, if you want to go down that group of forwards, You can rattle off eight or nine guys that have the capability to get you 20 in a traditional 82-game season. You know, what does that translate to in a 56-games? But there's a lot of guys who can contribute, and where there may not be that one sort of franchise, frontline player like, say, the Canucks have and Elias Pedersen, who we're still waiting, we'll get to in a moment, but the Habs, I think, can spread it out where they don't have to just lean on one particular guy where, you know, the Canucks are a little more top-heavy with their top six who, you know, when you look at that top six pair, and this has been the focal point of the past week, and and particularly the last, what, you know, 36 hours, 48 hours here now with the Canucks kind of scuffling the way they've been. You know, they just, they need more offense from those guys, right? I mean, one assist in four games for Elias Pettersson. You know what, the Canucks aren't going to win a lot of games when that's kind of the case, right? They got to be better, and when you look at guys like, what, Petey, Horvat, Pearson, Hoaglander, Miller, Besser. There's your top six right now, right? And I get where J.T. Miller's only played the one game. But those guys have combined for just four goals through four games. That's your top six. Like, those are the guys you rely on for offense. In four games, they're basically collectively getting one goal a night in your top six.
4: Top six has to be better. This hockey team's not good enough to win if they're okay. Right, There was times, you know, the glory days of the Canucks, when I speak of the 2010s, 2011s, you could play 40 poor minutes and be good enough to throw the sticks and get it together in the third period and pull out a victory. You know, We saw that on the other night when you were in Calgary, and okay, you played really well for the first 20 minutes, then it completely fell apart, and you were never back in that hockey game. And yeah, your, your, your star players can win you some hockey games on their own, but for the most part, you have to go through that lineup and say, hey, everyone was really good today. And then you win. You don't have that kind of depth you speak of where you're going, well, if this guy doesn't carry it, the other guy does. Because if the one line's not going, you know, very seldom are you going to go, okay, it's going to be all on Bo's line. You're going to need some contributions from others. They're not at a point where, you know, anybody can win us that game. It's pretty pretty focused on who needs to be going for this team to win. I like how Travis Green handled everything yesterday. No excuses. Everybody's saying what they did in the Zoom call was we have to be better. And now I think, though, they see their best competition so far of the year when they get Montreal rolling in.
3: Well, I I loved what Travis uh, had to say yesterday. And I loved his demeanor because, you know, some of the lines of questions, you know, I think there was an opportunity for Travis to take it out. You know, hey, Travis, you you haven't played any exhibition games. Has that been something? You know, being on the road to start. Has that been something? Here's Travis Green kind of looking at everything that's going on right now and it was essentially not pulling any punches. He wasn't blaming a lack of exibi- exhibition games. He wasn't blame- blaming a lack of new players in the room. He's basically saying the Canucks are simply not good enough.
2: Excuses. I'm not. I'm not going to make excuses for that. Yeah, we haven't had exhibition games. Yeah, we've got some new players. Uh, you can make. You can make excuses, or you can look for answers. And and I'm not going to use excuses, and I and I'm. I don't think our players will either. So. Uh, everyone's on the same playing field. No one's had exhibition games. We just haven't played well enough. And that's the bottom line. If you don't play well, if you don't play good enough, you don't win in the NHL. And, uh, you know, you can't have half your team playing the way they should and half your team not. We need everyone to play better. And certain players need to raise their game. They know that. And I'm confident they will.
3: And there's Travis Green. L- love that sort of temperament and demeanor, just staying calm, captain of the ship, and just admitting it. Like, look, just got to go out and be better. And pair. I mean, you look at the power play, you look at the struggles for this unit right now. They were fourth in the NHL last year with the man advantage. And I get JT Miller was gone for the first three games, but it's pretty much the same personnel intact on that top unit. 0 for 15 to start the year. That trend will not continue. Right At some point, there's going to be a greasy goal, and that should, in theory, open the floodgates. But you just got to
4: get the one to really get the party going. I, I think it's always the most difficult when it's you, you come stumbling out of the gate. And yes, they were good in that first game, but then they have stumbled ever since. And, and we can look at all the stats and they're, you know, they're going to be ugly. You're going to look and go, oh my goodness, how do you change that around? Uh, I have no doubt they will. And I don't think Travis is concerned. And honestly, he, he says the players are frustrated. They're not concerned like Pedersen all of a sudden does, doesn't have any talent. It will all come to the forefront. My concern is the opposition. It's funny, the text line's already going, the Dumber Lumber text line, Someone's I'm kind of tired of the Canadian division already. Boy, that's the last thing I would say. I haven't seen Montreal yet. Can't wait to see these guys up against Toronto. I'm not tired of it at all, but it does speak to Travis saying there's no easy nights. There's not an easy night that these guys are going to face. So as much as it's their problems and when they fix it, they're going to be fixing it while they're on the move because nothing is going to be easy for them to get it done. They'll write the ship but I don't know if even anybody in this Canadian division is going to reel off five or six wins, because when you get on a streak, there's a couple of less lights always at some point. We won't see that at all this year.
3: No, I bring it on, you know, bring it on. This this is going to be a three game series. And this one to me, like I'm fascinated to see what game three will ultimately look like by the time we get Mm -hmm. to Saturday, right? You know, the Canucks are going to be better tonight. You know that there's a sense of urgency. There's also being at home, there's also the last change. You know, I look forward to this, and we got a lot to get to here over the next three hours on this game day here on Sportsnet 650. PJ Stock, uh hockey analyst who covers the Montreal Canadiens, formerly of Hockey Night in Canada. PJ is going to join us here momentarily and weigh in on what he's seen in the Montreal Canadiens. Buck Martinez is going to drop by at 8.30 this morning as the Jays make a huge splash yesterday, finally after what felt like, uh, I don't know, two decades uh, of rumors about trying to bring somebody in. They finally did. And they bring in a former all-star closer in Kirby Yates. And then last night, They signed George Springer to a monstrous six-year deal worth $150 million. They address a major need in center field. They bring in a big-time bat, and they bring in a former three-time all-star. So that's a big move for the Jays. Uh, A couple of them yesterday, if health permitting, for those guys. Uh, Ed Jovodoski will join us at 7 o'clock this morning as well. Mr. Fixit, Ken Priestley, Stanley Cup winner with the Pittsburgh Penguins, drops by at 7.30 as well from Dunbar Lumber and Cheech. John Garrett will also drop on by coming up on your Canucks commute at 8 o'clock this morning. 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber Text Line. Uh, always welcome the conversation and the discussion. At SportsNet650 is where you can find us as well on Twitter. And um, hey, welcome the discussion. Welcome the debate. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's all happening, man. What a day. Jays finally make something happen. Game day here at Rogers Arena. Trump's out of office. And as you also just lumped in as well, Phillips River, Philip Rivers has retired. I don't know if that's as big a moment in the last 24 hours as the other three pair. But you know what? As somebody who wasn't
4: the biggest Philip Rivers guy, well, good riddance. <laughs> I didn't mind him. Hey, I, I thought his last year was good. I think this guy's played the last 10 years to avoid the house. He's got like eight kids. It's a good run. A good run for Philip Rivers. I, if you're announcing your retirement, though, are there not better days to get attention, or is it the ultimate day to just quietly disappear in the U.S.? But yeah, lots going on. It's going to be a terrific Wednesday. Look forward to it.
3: PJ Stock, who uh, joins us here bright and early this morning as the Habs and the Canucks get set to collide at Rogers Arena, here joins us this morning. PJ, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you guys? Top of the morning. Nice, nice to catch up with you. I I gotta say first things first. I don't know. I feel like it's been a while since you and I have had a chance to speak. But yeah. I miss you on hockey night, man. I I gotta say oh, I quite thanks. enjoyed watching you. So well, I,
5: it, was, it was really fun. It was, uh, it was a great. Uh, I mean, we're all lucky to be sitting around talking about sports, and that was like the, that was kind of the pinnacle of it. So it's uh, still doing a bunch. I do uh now. I that's that was following all the teams. Now I'm in Montreal um, doing RDS, where I mostly the Canadians. It's more. Uh, and for the first time in a long time, it's been a tough job for the last decade or so. I did Anki and RDS, but always following the the Canadians. And it's been uh, str- struggles at times, but hey, it's good. It's good times now. So little pep in our Finally, day. finally. Yeah, finally. <laughs> so thanks for the thanks for the shout out. But uh, yeah, I'm in a good mood. Everything's great. Montreal's great. I'm happy now. Life is grand again. I'm back
4: nice people are excited here I mean I love this Canadian division we dubbed it the Gore Downey division to see the Habs here three out of four nights is going to be great I want to get into all the changes they made but but the one thing that's glared out to me in watching them in this last week is I'm watching Alexander Romanoff and I go what are you like 33 and have been playing in this league for 10 years are you surprised at what this kid has done you knew the resume of the guys you acquired in free agency and trades but has Romanoff surprised this team in the first week? Well, to to go back
5: on, Montreal Canadiens have been really high on him for a while. Okay, they've been really, you know, the brass has been high on them. But, you know, not to be devil's advocate, they've been high on all their first-round, second-round picks for the last two decades, and none of them have really kind out. Like, this team really is made up of players from every other team besides their own. Uh, like you want to, you know, someone sitting around, want to look at the computer later, check out how many guys are actually from Montreal. There, there's, there's almost none. Um, you know, Carey Price is obviously the standout and Brendan Gallagher, but the rest of the team is pretty much And every year they like, Oh, this new guy coming, you're going to love this guy. And he, So the Romanov thing was, I know people were excited about it. I saw him play in the world juniors where he looked great. Uh, but I have friends that played over in, in Russia that said he was on a stacked team, didn't get a lot of minutes. So I don't know. And it's on a bigger rink and, I don't know how it was going to work, but the Canadians were just like, it's going to be great, going to be great. So I took it with a grain of salt. He has been unbelievable. He's been the best prospect um, that I have seen the Montreal Canadiens have because he looks like a pro, as you just said. He looks like he's not he, – he he doesn't look like that person nervous out there about to make mistakes. Um, I think he played in the KHL, which he was playing with men. He's not intimidated. He's big. He's thick. Uh, and his heads up all the time. Uh, for Vancouver fans who are going you know, to watch the next three nights, you can compare a little bit to Andre Markov the way he moves the puck. Uh, and I'd actually add in, I don't know many Canucks fans remember this, but Alexi Emelin was a very physical defenseman that played for the Canadians. Went over to Nashville. Uh, he, he has a combo of both. He has he's great at sliding along the line. They haven't played the power play time, but his heads up all the time. He, his heads up all the time. And, and he loves to get a little nasty. So I listen. It's hard to say you get excited about a person after a couple of games, especially a rookie um, that's something you never really saw them play junior or anything. But for the Montreal Canadiens fan base, um, I'm excited. He's gonna he's gonna be someone they have him playing on their five six pairing right now. He won't be there long. He'll be moving up, and in in a few years he'll be, you know, he'll be that top one two guy that they've been hoping to have for quite some time on the left side.
3: PJ Stock with us here on Sportsnet 650. I want to get your take on uh, Tyler Tofoley, but but just to kind of further that discussion with Romanov, I've, I, I was I was hearing somewhere last week where it was reported by a couple of insiders that you know the Habs are seriously interested in Pierre Luc Dubois. PJ, you know I don't need to go on with you in terms of the quest for that missing French Canadian star in Montreal since Patrick Wilde left town. 200. Yeah, it so let me throw this at you. I mean, Romanov's names come up as a, as an untouchable in, in, in sort of trade rumors and that. But I guess how much do you push in for somebody like Pierre-Luc Dubois when you know what you've got in him, but, man, like Suzuki's starting to look like something who might be – he may not have the size, but he looks special. And Kotkaniemi all of a sudden has, you know, kind of had that Eureka in the, last summer in the bubble. And Romanov, is like, how much do you give up to get somebody like that, or, or do you? Uh, the, and that's the
5: talk that's been around because he's a Francophone uh, and Pierre-Luc, and he's, you know, I'm sure this is one of the places. And no one knows why the players are leaving uh, Columbus, but uh, it's a bunch of them on out. He's been the, the latest one, and Montreal has been one of the places. And if the Canadians have started off um, not – I mean, we've only played a few games. We've only played three games, but five out of six points. If they—if they If they didn't start off as hot – it would be something that everyone would be questioning a lot more. But as the, the mentioned players that you just mentioned, um, you know, they're, they're all having great starts to the season. So it's really hard to say, well, we really need this guy. In the long end for the Canadians to be successful, they need a Pierre-Luc Dubois. I, I really do think, I think you need, you look at the Canadians players that they have, and I think he's a, he's a little bit, he's a better Dano. He's that, Center that isn't always the flashiest in Pierre-Luc uh, but he's that 200-foot center that you need to be successful. He's the Bergeron. He's the Copetar, He's the Taze. You know, they might not get all the points, but they shut down a lot of the other team's uh, superstar players and can still get points. And if you flank him with some offensive superstars, they are just that much better. Uh, he's a young kid, and like you said, Frank is 200 pounds. But what do you do? Suzuki looks unbelievable. Romanov looks spectacular. Kokenyemi, I think, I think, Kokenyemi potentially the ceiling could be higher than Suzuki, only because of his size and and his the way he plays. But man, six two, two hundred center that plays two hundred feet. It's tempting. Gosh, it's Gosh. tempting. It's really tempting. <laughs> it's really tempting. But I, I, it's hard to do it, you know. Three games in, uh, and even talked about it because, uh, like I said, I'm never excited about the Canadians, even being a, an ex-Hab. Um, but because I just, I just, I thought they kept missing sandpaper. They kept missing that work ethic in some areas. And uh, like I said, it's a great start to the season this year. Lots of great things to Wait, look forward to.
4: It's almost unfair that we judge so much on the three games that we've seen, four games in the Canucks' perspective. But there was a lot of eyes when the money was handed out to Anderson and to give Josh that kind of coin going, boy, it's been a year since you've seen the good side of him. I'm not going to say there's a sense of relief in one week of hockey, but there must be, all right, that's exactly what we hope we would get when number 17 gets on the ice and what he's done. Because you mentioned Sandpaper, PJ. like He's got it and he's got an abundance of skill. Um, Is he off to the perfect start as as far as the organization is concerned? It's in you know the first game he just
5: everything he did was right. Uh, there's a lot of pros with him. I think the big question mark was last year. He, he what a goal, three assists. Now for me, that's a great season. I think that's a great year. One goal, three assists. Those are great numbers. That's that's I made a career out of that. Um, so I thought that was great. Uh, it's just he, then he's injured all year, and then the Canadians signing him right away and giving him a long term deal after he had serious uh, surgery on the shoulder. Yeah. You know, how is he going to be? Uh, and then he just comes out the first two games, and he what he does is he adds depth to the Canadians up front. It's like uh, Brendan Gallagher is every team's dream. You know, it, it, it's just, you know, you just wish he was 6'3 and 220 the way he plays because it takes its toll in games sometimes and over a season. But it just doesn't stop. But there's not enough of him. On the Montreal Canadiens They've added guys to the lineup right now That can bring that on different lines And Josh Anderson was exactly that In the first couple of games Though In the last game He got hurt So we don't know exactly How bad it was But it was his third, second shift in I was watching Where he threw a pretty big hit Third shift he came out And was a little off For a couple of shifts And he went down the hallway uh there's been no real talk about it. Maybe you guys can do you know, you watch the next game and see if there's anything. But, you know, he's coming off major surgery, not playing a ton last year. Um it's a it'll be interesting to see how he how he is in the next three games against you guys. Um, What's just going on to... with you guys by the way? Timeout. Let me throw oh, this back at yeah. you guys. What like I, I I look at, you know, everything we you guys and I do is comparables, right? Like, you guys, all we do is comparables, and it's hard to pick who's going to win here, who's going to do that. But when I think of young cores in the National Hockey League, there, there isn't many better than Vancouver. Like, like every year, your young stud is up for rookie of the year, and if they don't win it, they're, they're second. But yeah. slow start. Like, it's a slow start for a lot of those guys. Um, like, what's, give me something.
3: Well, I mean, you can look at special teams. With... I mean, I mean, look at no, look spe- at look at special teams right now, PJ. I'm I mean, they, the thing, they are yeah. they are the worst. They're probably the worst collection of special teams you'll find right now in the National Hockey League, where they've had 15 power play opportunities, not a single goal to speak of. And they've had yeah. they've given up 21 power play opportunities to the opposition, and they've given up seven goals. I mean, I think it kind yeah. of starts and ends right there. Goaltending's been fine, but. You know, the franchise players got one point in four games. And for the first time, pair this is what, the first time in three seasons that we've kind of questioned Elias Patterson or at least go, what's going on?
4: Well, it's the first time he's found a slump. And I think he's going, not that they thought it would be easy, PJ, but I mean, you know, you've played the game. They had so much confidence after the playoffs were over and how they performed in the bubble. Um, I, I think that work ethic and getting it going, it wasn't going to be sticks on the ice and we're going to get wins. Uh, they played a really good twenty minutes against Calgary, and they were good opening night against Edmonton. But since then, and if the big guys aren't going, it's taken a while for the veterans in their bottom six to contribute. So it's going to be fun tonight, the way the Habs are rolling, and how everybody here in Vancouver is going. Okay, this is crazy, man. We can't afford to lose ground in this division. Uh, but as James said, you just want to look at you can't kill a penalty and you can't score on the power play, albeit throw the puck around. That doesn't get you any wins in this game while you're trying to find your legs. Two things with Pederson, I. I, I love him. Like, like I said, I love the, the young Newquois that you guys have in Vetser and
5: Horvat. and Hughes and on the point. And, you know, but I'm stuck with the slash. Uh, it was last game. Um, yep. He's sla- what, Monahan? yep. Monahan. Yep. Yep. So I played with um, a young Joe Thornton and some of the veterans on the team used to tell Joe, Joe, like every now and then you got to do something stupid. You got to do something stupid It was a different time, right? Joe would cross-check someone in the face and normally get suspended for a game back then. (laughs) But it would create a little bit of space because you just don't know what Joe's going to do sometimes. Now, I'm looking at that Pedersen slash, and I'm like, A, it's a player that's really frustrated. Or it's B, he's taking that next step to kind of say, give me my space. So I'm hoping it's not a player that's getting too frustrated. Um, because you like you said, you you shut him down. There's you know one of the what, what cliche straws that stirs the drink. Yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, and you see what happens. He's off his game. He's not playing. The power play is not working. The penalty and just kind of has a, a ripple effect. But I I, I didn't like that flash because I I, were, I was worried that he's frustrated. But at the same time, I didn't mind it. Like because it's to another player that he's head to head with all the time and as you continue to play Vancouver A you gotta hit Quinn Hughes on the back end That's these the, the young guys are so good but they're not big right like I'm watching Pedersen yeah. be interviewed after the game and I'm like jeez add some curls into your workout routine to play on Like lot <laughs> like mean, God he's got it I got it. That's, that's some,
3: You're not you know, the only one who's remarked that, PJ. Hey, um, yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 tell me this real real quick. We're just up against the clock here. We've got about 20 yeah, seconds. Sure. Tyler Toffoli, I, I, every time I watch him, it looks like he's got opportunities to score or contribute. He's only got the one point. How has he fared in your mind?
5: Like I said, I'm not, I'm not judging the Canucks on four games. It's hard to judge the Habs on three games.
3: Yeah. Uh, he's on the third line,
5: and he's been playing with Koken. I mean, he, he's having opportunities. He's had some great opportunities. It's just not going in. So hopefully for you guys, it doesn't go in. And hopefully for the Habs fan, it does go in. It's going to be a fun week watching some hockey.
3: Nice to catch up, buddy. It's been a while. uh, It's been all worth it, man. Let's do it again sometime, all right? Cheers up. Good
5: morning, boys. Have your coffee.
3: <laughs> but I hate coffee. That's a Montreal thing. Yeah, Just kidding. Good. All right. Uh, PJ Stock, uh, weighing in on the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, great to catch up with PJ. Uh, all right, pair. we're up against the clock. Let's get back into it. Our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll's on fire already. We'll tee you up with that in a moment. And we will also dive in as the Jays seem to be pushing their chips in for 2021. That and all that much, much more on game day. Your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
6: Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking.
0: He never met a soapbox he didn't like. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650.
3: Well, after months and months and months of rumors and speculation, which felt more like it's been
7: 84 years,
3: the Blue Jays. Finally went fishing this offseason and reeled in a haul Tuesday night, landing three-time All-Star center fielder George Springer and former All-Star closer Kirby Yates. Hit the music. Okay. 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 Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Let's Let's play play ball. Now, Springer fills a major void at center field, but he also brings a big bat as well hitting 39 home runs in 2019, and and that was despite missing 40 games. At 31, getting the largest contract in Blue Jays history at six years and $150 million, it seems a little steep, especially for someone who has a little stink on them from the whole Astro sign-stealing scandal. But as our Sportsnet 590 The Fan colleague Rob Wong channeled in his Stephen A. Smith on Twitter last night... I'm here to tell you right now,
4: we don't care. Let me tell you,
3: you, (laughs) we don't care. Yeah, come on. I mean, we've been waiting for this, right? The moves are a major sound off to say that the Jays are back and ready to contend again. And after igniting a dormant fan base across the country in 2015 with back-to-back appearances in the playoffs, Everyone seemed to be walking around along the seawall with a Jays cap after Joey Batts interest, introduced us to the bat flip. The <laughs> one field. Well, doubt about it. The Rogers Center was packed in those days, and it wasn't that long ago. Crowds of a million viewers a night were watching the Jays in the summer on Sportsnet. And then it, suddenly it all came crashing down with this painful rebuild. And as the cupboards were restocked with young talent, President Mark Shapiro and GM Ross Atkins finally decided now is the time for Canada's team to go all-in again. And as a long-suffering Jays fan who has endured 28 years of mediocrity and losing aside from one bat flip since those back-to-back World Series in 92-93, these moves, I'm all-in. The Jays' regional market isn't just Toronto. It's all of Canada. Rogers has the money. They've got the fan base. This is a franchise that shouldn't endure long rebuilds. They should be swinging with the likes of New York, Boston, and L.A. So what we just witnessed over the last 24 hours, bring it on. And go out and sign the Ladner lefty Jane Paxton, too. And when the border reopens... What do you say we all invade Seattle's T-Mobile Park and make it an all-Canadian summer weekend in Pike Place Market once again?
4: Who's coming with me? Huh? Who's coming with me, man?
3: And that's this morning's Seaball Says. It's about time. Love it.
4: Well, it's been so long. You go back to 2006 when they spent some money for Vernon Wells. It was unexpected yesterday, and social media went crazy as all this started to trickle in, like, hang on, they actually got George Springer to spend that $150 million to me was unexpected because I think you can look at the Jays, James, you know, similarities to them last year in the summer when you're looking, hang on here, this is a team that because of a change in format and a shortened season, the young stars are doing what they want. They're going to find the postseason, and i compare it to the Canucks hey, you know this team is moving the right way with the young stars and how they're marketing, and here we go. We're in the bubble and we're on a run. But I didn't think the Jays would be going, all right, you know what? It's actually going to happen now. We will find our window of opportunity and help them out. And to get Springer, who by all intents and purposes is such a leader and almost can be like a coach on the field too with the resume that he has, hey, they went out. That's the biggest signing that they have, have had in decades And that is just going to make this team that much better. They may not be done. They're talking that Springer's buddy, Michael Brantley, is a guy, and they've kind of talked about, hey, wouldn't it be cool playing together and kind of go like the NBA players, and all of a sudden you're on the same team. Credit to the Jays. In a time where it's been difficult, haven't even been able to play at home, the situation they have being the lone Canadian team, with that young talent, so much pressure on them, there's got to be a little sigh of relief going, okay, we've got some veteran help, some great experience, and now you're right. They're, hello, big boys. We're ready to play with you. It's going to be fun to watch this team for the next couple of years. And and you're correct. And I know the p- people go, oh, it's the Jays, it's Toronto. No, there's Canada's team. When they start rolling, they start rolling. And everybody, whether you're in the prairies, whether you're in the West Coast, you become a Blue Jay fan to see what they can do. It's exciting, and they should be thrilled with how spent, spent the money in the last 24 hours,
3: I think you go back four or five years now, and when the Jays were kind of hot again with Encarnacion and Donaldson and Bautista, I mean, look at around, look around Metro Vancouver, look around the Lower Mainland. How many people were rolling with the Jays cap? You know, out in the field, along the seawall, wherever it may be. Um, anyway, I, I love I love the move. It might be a bit of an ominous contract by the time Springer's 35, but. Sure. You pair know, a hundred and fifty million dollars just for comparison. Rogers bought Skydome, which is now Rogers Center in Toronto. They paid twenty-five million dollars for that building in the early two thousands. <laughs> they just spent the equivalent of six Skydomes when they bought the pro, pro, they bought Skydome from the province of Ontario and turned it into Rogers Center. You could buy six more domes for the price that they just paid for George Springer for a six year shelf life.
4: Inflation, yeah, and it. Hey, and and, and it's, you know, if Major League Baseball is like Vegas, the Blue Jays have avoided the big table in the back behind the curtains and on those steps where the high rollers are for a long time. And they've been able to get by because they've had some decent youth. But, you know, consider the fact that we thought the Canadians were gone and now they're tied in with the Blue Jays continually here. It's a good time to be a Blue Jay baseball fan. And when you're looking at your team going, why don't you spend? Why don't you spend? I mean, you just get disappointed. Same old, same old. And in a 24-hour period, They just said, no, not same old, same old. We can talk about all the prospects we want, and we are good, and now they've got the help, and they've got it in the form of a World Series MVP
3: uh which just of gears it is game day here in the city as the canucks and the montreal canadians go out at it seven o'clock tonight here on sportsnet 650 pregame show starting at five with satin walks um brings us to our sportsnet 650 twitter poll question uh, which has been on fire already this morning but we're asking you which former canuck who left by a free agency does the club miss the most right now tyler Toffoli, who's back in town for the next three games Jacob Markstrom, who we just watched the last two nights spank the Canucks, or the other guy who helped spank the Canucks the last couple of nights, Chris Tanev. Right now, Jacob Markstrom, the runaway leader at more than 50% of the ballot. Tyler Toffoli, second place at 21%. Chris Tanev, 14%. And none of the above at 14%. And as uh, somebody pointing out, anybody who says Mm -hmm. none of them hasn't watched the first four games.
4: Well, you know, but but I would disagree with that. I I mean, yeah, you saw Jacob Markstrom play well. But I I don't think we are going to be here in six weeks' time going, you know what, this team is in a better position if the goaltending is better. Like, I do think what Jacob Markstrom did was great. But I don't think they've taken a massive step backwards in the tandem that they have. So I I would not go, you know, is this a hockey team that's what? You think they're three and one if Jacob Markstrom's not there? You may argue, yes, Calgary's goaltending wouldn't have been as good. That first period, it might have been 3-0. They would have won the game. Yeah, that's Calgary. There's other games, too. I, I don't think it's Jacob Markstrom that we are going to rue the day that we didn't sign Markstrom, and he would have made this team that much better. Um, and, and honestly, I would have voted like the 14.2% have. None of the above yet. Our goaltending's been fine. Old look looks like he can be there. I don't know if he's the long-term fit. Eh, Chris Tanev, great, but it's all... For that kind of money, no, I, I, I'm i going to say they're okay. If this is a, if this team's 500, I think they're okay. I'm going to agree with the none of the above that just wait patiently for them to get in sync, and they will be okay. And money-wise, trust me, next year they won't have missed any of these guys because of the money they've saved.
3: I'm going to agree with what Jay and Ladysmith is uh, messaging in on the Dunbar Lumber uh, text line at 650-650, and Jay kind of saying I think they missed ten of the most goaltending is going to do just fine which we've seen so far lost a lot of shot blocking and power when Tanev went to Calgary and I think that penalty killing unit right now could use a little stability with Chris Tanev and I think that's a big glaring hole in the penalty kill right now Um, you know will they ultimately stabilize things probably but I would say for the now My vote would be for Chris Tattum. All right, 644. We'll get into this with Ed Jovanovsky much more. It is game day. Habs and Canucks first of three going down this week here at Rogers Arena here in Vancouver. Looking forward to that here on your home of the Canucks. Plus, in a moment, no BS, just straight up PS here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
0: He always tries to be ahead of the game.
3: Harry was in front.
0: Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I I want the truth. truth. It's not BS, just P.S. With Perry Solkowski.
4: Time for a little uh, P.S. Leading away some of the things that aren't making big headlines, but they are stories. And we begin by a minor trade yesterday in the NHL. A lot of people maybe didn't think about it. Cole goes for Patterin. Colorado, Minnesota, the team's exchange. So, veteran D's move, but you gotta realize what the reason was.
2: Bo knows tennis? Bo
4: knows running! No. No, Gretzky was saying back in the 80s, Bo doesn't know hockey, but he does. And Colorado knows how efficient Bo and Byram is. After quarantine, practice with them on the weekend for the first time. And James, they made this move because they're looking at their D and going, where do we fit this guy in? He deserves to play. They make that trade. And the thought is, there is now the opportunity to get Bowen Byram into this NHL lineup.
3: Uh, Connor Timmons, too. I mean, just the rich getting richer on the back end, right, with the Avs. Unbelievable.
4: Oh, watching them yesterday, watching Cole you're just can- Kidding me, man, if you've been doing this for 10 years, it's crazy how good he was and how he played. Good luck to Bo and Byron as we see if when, if and when he gets his NHL opportunity. Uh, P.S., success is measured in different forms. West on a drive, gets it to go. Delonte
0: West having a terrific all-around
4: game. Yeah, there was a time Delonte West was the man on the court, played great NBA ball, but then he hit the skids, ran into substance abuse problems, was living on the streets, Delonte West, Mark Cuban actually went and sought him, tracked him down, fan found him, talked to him, talked to his mom and convinced him to go into rehab. Yesterday Delonte West said he has found a job, grinning ear to ear, he is actually working at the rehab center James that straightened his life out.
3: That's a great story. Uh and you know, you think like he was a prominent player and teammate alongside LeBron James at one point and I remember covering LeBron's return to Cleveland. You think about how personal that was for Cavs fans, and how hostile it was before the Heat kind of kicked Miami, uh, kicked Cleveland's, you know what? But at one point, fans, the entire arena was chanting "DeLonte, DeLonte" to kind of get into LeBron's mind after there were some rumors about um, extracurriculars that. Delonte West uh, had been in, uh, involved, that yes. uh, kind of got yeah, a little it, personal for LeBron. So, but the entire twenty thousand fans in Cleveland that night were all chanting in unison, Delonte.
4: He had one great life, and now it looks like he'll be good enough and happy to have a second one, thanks to Mark Cuban and not giving up on anybody. Yeah. Hey, P.S. Tampa Bay, of course, the site of this year's Super Bowl, and it'll also be the site of some NFL history. Girl, run the world. Announced yesterday, Sarah Thomas becomes the first female to officiate a Super Bowl game. She is part of the officiating crew. She will be the down judge in the Super Bowl game. That's the official that looks for encroachment penalties, offsides, uh, forward progress of the football. She's been with that job and a down judge since 2017. Deserves it and gets it. And considering this year we had Sarah Fuller, the first female, female to play in the NCAA kicking an extra point Sarah Thomas who's a regular and you see quite often now uh, gets the call and will be working the Super Bowl as part of the officiating crew. James, you and I are in a world of girls. Well done by Sarah Thomas.
3: Yeah, you know what, man? Like, you're a father of daughters. I'm a father of daughters. Uh, you love to see these role models and, and these stories. And Sarah Fuller, as you alluded to from the NCAA standpoint, uh, she was uh, invited to take part in the uh, yes. inauguration ceremony uh, later on today in Washington, D.C. as Joe Biden officially gets sworn. And Trump is out! Buttons in.
4: Hey, P.S., uh, if you can't beat them, join them. My name is Rio and she dances on the sand. Looking for a good sports bar on Commercial Drive? Go to the Rio Theatre because it's now a sports bar. And they will show the Canucks game on Saturday, unable under the theatre rules for what the province has and COVID restrictions to open up. They had to close in November, but they're saying, hey, sports bars can open up all right, we're now a sports bar. So I guess legitimately, they can do that. You want to watch the Canucks game? You can go to the Rio Theater on Saturday. Hey, they're making a stand, but it's within the rules, so that's what they're trying to do.
3: You know, not a bad way to watch a Canucks game, to be honest with you, right? Big screen. You know, that's old school necessary. pay-per-view,
4: buddy. I mean, that's
3: how it used yes. to be. Right? Yeah, no, I, no, totally, right? I mean, that's, you know, close, the old days of closed-circuit television, you would you would watch it that way. You know what? It's funny. You look across this country, there are so many classic old theaters that have been reconverted into kind of more event spaces. They're still kind of the theater, but inside it's more for weddings and gatherings and events and conferences. Uh, the Rio still try to stay tried and true, and I guess traditionalists are annoyed that, you know, the Rocky Horror Picture Show isn't being shown there anytime soon. But I don't know. I feel like the Canucks and the Habs wouldn't be a bad way. And, you know, and they're doing this right before Super Bowl Sunday, right? So just in time for a pretty big game to kick off the party.
4: Well, Dr. Bonnie said this week, I I, I guess the Super Bowl is coming up, but I'm a CFL fan. But the Rio changing into a sports bar. No BS, just BS on this Wednesday morning.
3: At Jovanoski, Jovo Cop will join us in a moment It is game day as the Canucks and the Habs get set to collide Uh, 650-650 The Dunbar-Lumber text line will also catch up With Stanley Cup winner Ken Priestley as well Busy 7 o'clock hour talking all sorts of puck Here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650
0: Let's get it going It's time to get up
1: A lot of emphasis put on signing George Springer In this offseason He is the number one target for this franchise this offseason as a free agent they went out and they got their man
2: these guys are here to break it all down i'm not going to make excuses but yeah we haven't had exhibition games yeah we've got some new players you can make excuses or you can look for answers and and i'm not going to use excuses and, I, and i'm i don't think our players will either
0: let's have a little fun and make you a winner all right I love you guys See ya. Right. this is the starting lineup with james Savolsky and perry solkowski
3: all right, seven minutes uh, or two minutes after seven o'clock. One of these days, I'm going to learn how to tell time. What's going on, everybody? It is game day in the city, 12 hours to puck drop as the Canucks playing their first home game at Rogers Arena since the middle of March. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski will be joined by Ed Jovanovski here momentarily as uh, the Canucks will try to get back on the winning track after losing three straight and, a lot of concerns uh, with the team right now, pair, and no shortage of areas to for improvement. Whether you want to look at the penalty killing unit, whether you want to look at the power play, misfiring stars like Elias Pettersson, uh, it could use a lot of tightening up in a lot of different areas. And I think that's the encouraging sign that you know it's not like this team has played their best. There is definite room for improvement here from what we've seen through the first four games. We'll get to uh, Ed Jovanoski here momentarily as well uh, with Jovokov and, and I want to play a clip before we get to Eddie here with Travis Green. And there's been a lot of discussion about Elias Pedersen and his struggles. Look, the guy's got more penalties than he does points right now. He's got just the one assist through four games. And this is the first time I think a lot of us have kind of sat up and said, Petey, what's going on here? Here's what Travis Green had to say with respect to Elias Petterson's struggles.
2: We can make a big deal out of it or, or call it for what he, it is. Like, is he frustrated a little bit? Sure. Um, which is, you know, I, I don't think that's a terrible thing. It shows that he cares. It shows that he wants to do more. He wants to play better. Um, would he like to probably change how he handled some of the frustration and, and not taking penalties? Sure. But that's, he's still a young player in the league. He's um, He's learning. Uh, much like a lot of guys on the team, every year is a new year. Every year, it's equally as hard to win as the year before, and and you know you're going to learn more as you go as a young player in the league. But I don't think we need to overplay uh, uh, him getting frustrated. It's Players do get frustrated, and that happens. And um, he's still learning, and he'll be better. He'll be better as he goes here. I'm I'm fully confident in that.
3: At some point, you got to figure he's due, right? When when you see a guy who is over a point a game in the playoffs, like to take his game next level with the intensity ramped up, that's a big-time player. At some point, he's going to break on through here, Pear.
4: But this is the first time. I, it's interesting, and I'm trying to think out who had said that, you know, the interesting thing about this Canadian division is everyone in the NHL will get to see the young stars that the Vancouver Canucks have? We're plugged into every shift they have and have for two years. So we know how good PD is. You don't you don't win a Calder trophy without everybody knowing he's pretty good. But I think he's tried to ascend to the next level. And it's in those conversations now. When you talk hard trophy, you go, hey, I wonder if this guy's going to continue on at that level and and maybe actually be a hard trophy candidate. And I'm sure at some point he will. But I think we're foolish to think that the ride is going to be smooth all the time. And if it's bumpy in the sense that the first four games that he plays, he was struggling. This is the first time his offseason has been different too. First time he stayed here in Vancouver. Didn't go back to Sweden with some uncertainty. Thought best to stay here, not worry about quarantine. So I don't know. Travis doesn't want any excuses. And I don't think they should because everybody they played didn't play exhibition games. And it just seems that some people are faster starters than others. And the Montreal Canadiens are that team. And for the first time this year, Petey isn't that guy. I don't think there's concern. But I do think we will see a dogged determination, even to a different level, by by Pedersen tonight. And hopefully by this entire team. Because they're not good enough to just go out and win. There's no off night. Someone on the Dumber line, text line, texted in something. "I'm, I'm wondering if we're getting to the point where teams may think, the Canucks are the off night. Yeah, that's the worst case scenario. So we'll see what they can do against what I think is the league's hottest team and the best team right now, by by how they've been playing in their first bit and a deep team in the Montreal Canadiens.
3: Let's bring in Ed former Canucks All Star, who joins the fold here on this uh, game day as the Canucks and the Habs get set to drop the puck later on tonight here on uh, Sportsnet 650. Jovo Cop, how are you, man? Good morning, guys. Morning to you. Uh, tell me this, at what point do guys in the room take notice of when your big gun's not firing? You know, in, in, in a case of Pedersen, you know, does it worry the group or do guys not pay too much attention to that?
8: Um, I don't think guys, you know, are really focused on that. I, I think everybody in situations when you're struggling um, by committee, you, you know, you find a way to, to scrape up a win. But it's up to the individual to kind of, you know, continue working hard. Uh, In this situation, I mean, it's frustrating because, you know, a star player is not getting much room. He's taking penalties. You know, they're not winning. Everything kind of culminates and everybody's, you know, not feeling the right way. And, you know, especially in his position where he's looked upon to contribute offensively, uh, it just starts weighing on you a little bit more. But... You know, being a young player, I I think you fight your way through these situations and you have the support of your teammates. So, um, no, I I, I don't think so, to answer your question. I don't think so. I think it's, you know, up to each guy to kind of get himself through it. And and what does that is everybody kind of pitching in and doing their thing and hopefully get a win.
4: Eddie, let's talk in general. We haven't talked to you since it was opening morning. Um, So they've played four games since we spoke. What have you made of the efforts put forth by the Vancouver Canucks?
8: Well, it's a great first game. And, and you know, f- the following three, you know what? I really watched uh, the last game and and I saw, you know, excellent first period. And then, you know, things kind of dismantling here for, for the rest of the game. Um, just trying to, you know, getting away from things that, you know, make their, this team very well. Is skating and, and not turning pucks over and being clean through the neutral zone and uh, being disciplined, um, you know, and having the goaltending. I think he kind of put everything together, uh, you know, give you the best chance to win. But um, Calgary really poured it on in the second and third period, you know, of last game, and Markey was excellent.
3: No, I, I mean, that's that's a team that looks like they're clicking with some momentum where – you know, I guess when you look at from a special team standpoint, you know, Calgary's taken advantage last, uh, you know, on Monday night. The Canucks now 0 for 15 with the man advantage. I guess I'll ask you this because you spent a lot of time with the man advantage uh, trying to help produce. How do you fix a sputtering power play when it's the same personnel that had a lot of success before?
8: Well, I think back, back to basics, and I saw yesterday here in Florida, it was kind of moved around the horn back to the middle, you know shot at the net and they've got a couple power play goals from it so i think you know when things aren't going you know the way you want it to i think you just like i said you just go back to basics you just move it around not don't move it around too much you know not too many passes just get it get it to the net and then when you kind of show that shot presence you know other areas will will open up and you can tic-tac-toe it around but until then, I think just kind of get it to the point, uh, get it to the net. And I know that's you know something throughout my career when when the power play wasn't going. Um, that was the message we got from from the coaches that were running the power play. Um, just gotta get it back to the point or the half boards, get it to the board, get good net pre, uh net front presence, and hopefully one can go in. Um, there's no surprises with this team anymore.
4: Speak to me as a a defender on the opposition when you go in and I would imagine that whiteboard and it'll stay the same for the next three nights for the Montreal Canadian uh, has Pedersen's name on it. Do you think that's what he's seeing even more attention now throughout the league and it doesn't become easier for defensemen to play a certain player when you know you get him three of the next four nights? Do you change your game a bit and adapt and go now I'm now I'm used to that move.
8: Well, yeah, I think when you're when you're when you're playing these guys, it's like the mini playoff series. You know, you're playing these guys a few times. You're gonna know you're gonna get their tendencies, and you're gonna play them, you know, if, you know, a certain way. But I think for for Petey's sake, I, I think there's there has to be some adjustments where you know you can make during a game, and you know, one thing you can control is is your compete level, and he has that. He's a competitive guy. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about that last night too, uh, Perry, is, you know, you kind of get in these situations, um, you know, where you're seeing a team, you know, for, for a few games, um, you know, the adjustments that, that need to be, be made, they might be subtle ones, but they there there might be ones that are really important.
3: And Joe Manoski here on Sportsnet 650. And, you know, when you look around the league right now and some of the different changes – I'll tell you what, let's start in your backyard with the Florida Panthers. And, man, you talk about drama. Like, in the first week, I mean, everything that surrounded a guy who's a well-liked guy within the room and Keith Yandel, and, you know, here there's a guy who had one of the longest active Ironman streak, the longest active Ironman streak in the NHL, and one of the longest of all time. Um, you know, all the talk about him, is he in, is he out, is he in, is he out? You know, there's been rumblings about Barkov's name possibly being on the block as well. Uh, and yet they're winning games. Give us a sense of what you're seeing from the Panthers so far.
8: Well, it's been a nice uh nice couple of games for them. Uh, I think they they've had some adversity in both games where they've held the momentum and gave it away and and let Chicago back in into the game and then the first game kind of ran away with it in the third period um, after they made it two two but yesterday you know up three one now down four three. And, you know, Keith Yandel with a, with an excellent point shot that squared up, uh, or Hornquist tipped it, uh, and found a way to win in overtime. So, um, before heading out on the road, I think it was a big, you know, four points for the team to get before they head out, but yeah, it was kind of a weird week. I know you brought up the Yandel thing. I really don't know, honestly, what, what happened there. Um, I think it was just probably. Kind of what we're, we were hearing is, is a team wanting to go in a different direction. And when you have the depth and you have that inner competition uh, of guys coming in, maybe you want to give them an opportunity. But I think the Florida Panthers are a much better team with Keith Yandle in the lineup. You might need to manage his minutes a little bit. I saw he played under 20 minutes yesterday. I think it's a good number for him. Um, and he's, he's the conductor on the power play. I mean, he sees the ice well. He's great at getting his shots through. Uh, Barkov had a great game. Um, you know, for this team, I think it's being consistent and and trying to take that next step. Eddie, we didn't know what kind of hockey we'd expect. Uh, been
4: surprised. Has it been as good as you expect? Is there, I mean, no lead seems to have been safe.
8: What have you made of the first seven days? I think it's been good. You know, I I think there's some games where I was watching where I just kind of walked away because I was kind of bored. You know, maybe because <laughs> it was my fourth game watching that night.
9: <laughs> but,
8: you know, I, I, to, to be expected, I think, you know, at, at some point during the game, you know, the game gets sloppy. And then at, at some point, you know, that you see the intensity ramp up. The pace is awesome, um, you know, down the stretch. So I think as we continue to move along here during the season, I think, you know, the play is going to get that much better. And, you know, I'm just hoping that every team has the good fortune of being safe and and we continue these games.
3: Any team impress you or or just a team that kind of catch your eye that that you've seen so far?
8: Well, I watched a few Colorado games. Um, You know, obviously the one game where they, I think they scored five power play goals. Um, I caught them late last night when I got home. Um, You know, they can, they, they have a really deep lineup. And they skate the uh, skate the puck really well, and you just look at their back end. I mean, all all the you know these guys are legitimate NHL, you know, good defensemen, and um, they're kind of stacked there. So they're they're fun to watch. And um, other than that, I haven't really paid attention to. I watched the Leafs game a little bit. Montreal looks really good. Who Vancouver's got tonight? I, I think they're well rounded. So uh, should make for a fun game tonight. We and by the
4: way, it appears that they're talking. Bowen Byron may be added to that blue line and make his NHL debut right. with Colorado on Thursday, um, which brings me to Nate Schmidt. How difficult? I mean, we expect and we've seen it with the Montreal Canadiens, all the changes. That at least for the first week, you go, all right, that's that's really worked um, for Nate Schmidt for a defenseman going into a new system. And on this, the week in which you were traded to the Vancouver Canucks. What kind of adjustment period is there? Get to know the goalkeeper, what he wants with it and the systems. Will it take a little while longer for a D-man who likes to jump into the play to cause I, I don't think you're 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 leaving the zone as quickly as usual because you're unsure. Uh does it take a little while longer for a D-man, do you think?
8: I think so. I, I think he's he's gonna get more familiar, you know, as as the season goes along. Um you know, he skates so well, though, right? I mean, he's very, very talented player. Uh, skates so well that he can skate himself out of, out of a lot of trouble with those legs. But I, I think for the most part, Perry, I, I think you're right. I, I think there's, you know, probably another handful, you know, games more he'll f- really feel comfortable. But he's had that. He's played with Holpe. Yeah. You know, so he's familiar with, with him. And, and I think when you look team to team, everything's the same kind of when you're going back in the zone. You know, it's it's play it or over. You know, on 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 the commands that goalie defenseman exchange. So uh, a lot of it is is kind of there. You know, um, you know, nothing really changes in that area. But uh, you know, I think for him being a solid veteran uh, and just kind of getting his know his teammates a little bit more, he'll be fine.
3: Well. We know we're always fine when we've got you to work our uh, power play as well, Eddie. So uh, nice to catch up, man. Uh, Happy Wednesday and uh, enjoy the game tonight with uh, Carey Price and Elias Pedersen. And uh, here's hoping that... uh, Ooh, that guy
8: scares uh, me. Yeah. Carey Price scares me. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he's still the guy. You know what? As as good as Vasilevsky is these days, if if I'm picking a goalie for, you know what, for a game seven right now, I think I'm still going Carey Price.
8: Right, I mean, I don't know. That's you know something about that. He uh, just looks so calm there, you know. But uh, how long you you know with Petey, Bess, you know Horvat Miller? You got a lot of firepower in Vancouver. Hopefully they solve him here tonight. Here's hoping. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Ed. All right, guys. Talk to you next right. week.
3: There he is, Ed Jovenowski, uh weighing in uh, around the National Hockey League and his thoughts on uh, where the Canucks kind of sit right now as they roll in against the Montreal Canadiens. Tonight at Rogers Arena, it's a 5 o'clock pregame show, and then the puck drop at 7 o'clock with Batch and Hershey here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Well, Carey... uh, yeah, go ahead, Fer.
4: No, you know what I was going to say? You know, Carey Price is, is such a quiet guy, right? He's, he's not looking for any kind of attention. You don't hear much about Carey Price. But underneath that mask, Z-Ball, how excited must he be to finally go, finally, like look what's in front of me. It's not all on me. I mean, the, the Habs had a good playoff run, and the only talk going in to the bubble last year was, you know what, you can't sleep on the Habs simply because they have Carey Price. Well, now, yes, he's, it's still that, but you just go, look what Carey Price has in front of him. I mean, that's where the danger is with the Montreal Canadiens, with that D and then the, what they can do offensively now. and go Oh, by the way, Carey Price is back there too if they happen to have a bad night. He's, he's got to just quietly be going home. Oh, this is unbelievable. PJ Stock referred to it. It's been a long 10 years to cover the Montreal Canadiens. Now it's fun. You got to think Carey Price is thinking the exact same thing.
3: Sonia Aslam from News 1130 down the hall. What's going on? I think a lot of people uh, excited, not only that the Jays reeled in George Springer over the last, what, 12 hours. It's game day for the first time in Vancouver in 10 months. And uh, the orange guy is out of office south of the border.
9: That is true. There's a changing of the guard, if you will, at the White House. And it's uh, already underway. Donald Trump's gone. He's on a flight right now to Florida. Shocker. And uh, we're just waiting for inauguration for uh, Joe Biden, which gets underway at about 9 a.m. our time. So Mike Pence has just arrived uh, at the Capitol for the ceremony, and the Bushes are there. The Obamas have yet to arrive. I'm listing off names like we're friends, but we're not. But no, yeah, uh, no, it's okay. Yeah, you guys. Trump get it.
4: apparently left the president note. At least I read somewhere during the show. He did.
9: He did. There was he a lot of spik- tradition
4: is to leave a letter or a note, and he did. Did he not?
9: Yes, he did. So he did leave a note. And uh, what's in it, we don't know because it's confidential between presidents. It won't be revealed until after uh, Joe Biden is out of office and for perhaps eight years. Um, So we don't know what it says, but he did leave a note. um, And yeah, he's gone. But for Joe Biden, like I know that the big focus is, oh, my gosh, the inauguration. This is so exciting. It is. But the big thing for him is he's supposed to be signing 17 executive orders as soon as he takes office. And among those is for the U.S. to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. It is to ease immigration restrictions and the Muslim travel ban um, and to figure out COVID. So there's a lot on his plate. And that's just in the next few hours.
3: Well, you know, and and what we saw the uh, official announcement, or at least um, we're starting to see uh, pipeline companies starting to kind of speak up about uh, the Keystone now essentially stopped.
9: Yes. So in the last, maybe I'm going to say 12 minutes, Keystone announced that they've sort of stopped all construction and any work that was being done on the pipeline. And this we knew was coming. We talked about this earlier this week. Uh, and now it looks like it's sort of happening. And that is that Joe Biden is expected to completely stop the project as soon as he takes office, which again is in just a couple of hours. So, uh, the fact that that's happened is a clear indication of what we already knew. And, uh, yeah. And for Donald Trump's, you know, we should maybe mention him one last time. Like I said, he's on a flight to Florida. He did make one last sort of, you know, rogue, unscripted public speech. And in it, he did say a few things. But he also said he will be back in, quote, some form. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know mm. what form. But, yeah.
4: Um, closer to home here. You know what? I, I a couple times a week, I will get to the local gym. Mm-hmm. Wear my mask as I go to the machines, social distancing, every second machine, uh, you know, you can't use. Right. What in the world went on in a gym in <laughs> Vancouver the other day here?
9: Oh, you don't want to know. I'm just kidding. Uh, so Saturday night, it was at a gym, actually right next to our studios here at uh, Asher Broadway. So right next to Vancouver Police Headquarters, there's a gym Uh, Two people, a 60-year-old man, 6'0", and his 25-year-old girlfriend uh, went into the gym. They were fake coughing on people and all the equipment. They were found in a bathroom. Uh, And so they went in, they were doing this type of behavior. They were not wearing masks. They are not members of that gym. The owner came running out. He flagged down two police officers who were nearby, luckily. They went in, they found them in the bathroom, and they came out and they said, well, we were only doing that because people were looking at us strangely. So they were handed two tickets and asked to leave. And welcome to 2021, everyone. Wow.
3: What possesses someone, to walk in and just start? Fake coughing.
9: Well, okay. Here's the thing. Pre-COVID, that ex- behavior is not acceptable. During COVID, are you kidding me? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, and what are you doing? You're hanging out at a gym on a Saturday night, fake coughing. You can't find anything else better to do than be like, you know what, honey? We should go to some place where we don't belong and yeah. just pretend like we're ruining everyone's night. And it's well, lucky if, if, that if they fairness,
3: were- Aslam. There's not a lot to do when you get into Saturday no. night now, right? I think things are kind of closed by Uh there's class.
9: hockey to watch. Uh, there's things on Netflix. There's I don't know, figure it out. Are do you suggesting uh, P- Are you suggesting people Netflix and chill then? I'm not suggesting anything okay, of that yeah, sort. Right, right, okay. <laughs> this is a PG well, show, I- see, Well, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes. Some sometimes it's true sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, so they got uh, a ticket 230 each, so 460 total dollars and uh yeah they were asked to leave live and learn yeah that'd but... be scary
4: yeah that would be scary to be in a gym people didn't go come on man it is oh, no and... that's the first question they ask you are you are you feeling well Yeah, no, i'm fine no oh, and boy, that's even what the if cop you have said. a tickle in your throat and you cough i feel terrible
9: oh i don't feel terrible <sighs> no but then the cops even said they didn't appear to have any symptoms but we don't know and now they have to undergo complete cleaning at that gym because i don't know who you are what are you doing like what yeah. what what poor behavior i have no words for that it is completely unacceptable just wear a mask and be nice. This is not I, hard.
3: I think anybody anywhere if you are in a grocery store, if you're outside in a public setting and somebody uh somebody's walking around and they cough, I think everything's heightened these days. No matter where you go, if you cough publicly, you know an You'd, eyebrow will be raised. You should anywhere. see
9: the side eye, stink eye I give people in the newsroom when they clear their throat, and I'm like, "Did you cover your mouth? Is uh, it covered? Uh, yeah. Could uh, you cover uh, that, please? Uh, Is it into your elbow? Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of that going on, and it's just it's not rude. It's just safety. I need you to not, you know. And that goes for anyone. I don't care where yeah. you are, and I don't care what you're doing. Sounds please like come. John Ackerman. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's just <laughs> <left> my throat. <laughs> well, that's strange. <laughs> Doesn't sound like me. That's for sure. No, no. Yeah.
3: Thanks, yeah. Aslam.
9: Thanks, guys. All Good right. One.
3: There she is, Sonia Aslam with the latest uh, and a busy morning uh, at News 1130 as uh, inauguration coverage uh, continues this morning on our sister station at News 1130. But stick around with us because we got a lot more to dive into as the Canucks get set to try to shake a three-game losing streak tonight against the Montreal Canadiens, a power play that is 0 for 15 to start the season. We'll talk to former Stanley Cup winner Ken Priestley on how you try to mend a broken power play next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, people, here on Sportsnet 650.
0: It's time for Mr. Fix It. Brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Latner or arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley.
3: 7.32 on this Wednesday morning. Canucks, Habs, Rogers Arena about to go down. At 7 o'clock tonight, I'm James Cebulski, he's Perry Solkowski, and Stanley Cup winner, Mr. Ken Priestley, joins us here bright and early on this hump day. How are you,
1: sir? Good, thank you. You?
3: I'm all right. I'm all, I'll tell you what, I'm better than the Canucks power play. How about that? <laughs> Ouch. How do you fix that? What do you, what do you do for that? I mean, you played with some firepower. You were a, you were a goal scorer at one time.
1: You know what? Like as I said, we talked about this a long time ago. But uh, goal scorers are, are 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 tough individuals sometimes, right? They're um, they go in streaks. I mean, it's it's a power play is 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 a tough thing when you got a lot of guys on there, pretty much all five most of the time that want the puck, and you're trying to pick out one of them that is going to you know score a goal. And sometimes it's just too pretty. Sometimes you're just trying too hard. And uh, things aren't just coming naturally. Your your breakout isn't going well. You know, it, it's tough. It, you just got to keep going. And uh, eventually, they'll find some way to, to, to get a goal and some way to make some chances. Uh, and everybody will be looking back at it and, and never remembering that it even struggled. But, uh, you know, sometimes when you struggle, you just got to go back to the simple, basic things and get it back to the point and bombs away and see what creates out of that. And if you get a lucky one, here we go. We're off the off, uh, off the off the streak.
4: Can do slumps have a bigger effect on, on people, on goal scores, um, and teams at the beginning of the year than they would if this was game 16, and you lost game 16, 17, and 18, and then you bounce back simply because you've waited three or four months to get going. You've got all this anticipation and you, you, it's kind of like taking that first step on the ice and, and, and you fall on your face. Does it weigh on a player more? Because certainly from a media perspective, we don't have anything good to say about his season thus far.
1: You know, we, we as In the media side of things, I don't think there is, uh, you know, when you pick out these little things, right, when it's going good, there's not really a lot to talk about other than how exciting it is to watch and how these guys are flying around the ice And and, and look at this team. We knew all about it, right? When slumps happen, it's, it just happens. It's the game. If, if it was perfect, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be any fun to watch. Uh, Dave King, I played in Team Canada one year, and Dave King said to me that, uh, and, and he actually even said to the team, that if the game was perfect, it would be 0-0 zero, zero, because no one would make any mistakes. Goalies would always make saves, you know, and it would be an awfully boring game to watch. This game isn't perfect, and uh, you go through ups and downs, and and you go through situations that you just got to work hard to, harder to get out of and um believe you me the if the Canucks are struggling right now um they're working hard to get out of it and uh it might take a couple of easy bounces tonight I mean it, it doesn't get any easier Montreal is coming in and I think Montreal has been one of the best looking teams so far in the early season um but They're not sitting back there this morning saying, oh, thank goodness, we're not playing somebody else. We're playing Montreal. We're not going to win. You know, they're not thinking that. They're going out. They're playing as hard as they possibly can. And hopefully they get a win. And I'm I'm sure it's going to come sooner than later.
3: Ken Priestley from uh, Dunbar Lumber and Stanley Cup winner with us here on Sportsnet 650. You're in Pittsburgh. I mean, you look at the rock stars that you played with Mario, Yager, Trottier, Francis. The list goes on and on. Did you ever, and I certainly don't want to put Petey in a conversation with Mario Lemieux here, but, you know, Pedersen is kind of the franchise player here. Did did you guys ever have, a, you know, times, did Mario ever show that he was human on the ice? Like, did he ever go through a stretch where you go, hey, what, what, hey Mario, it's not happening here tonight?
1: Uh, I, I, yeah, he did. There's no question. I mean, he just, you know, the the, the players, like, I mean, they, when Mario doesn't score in the first period or isn't going to assist in the first period, it's a slump. He's slumping. Right? Like how come <laughs> yeah. he hasn't? You know how come he hasn't got a point already? Like what's going on? How come we're not in a one nothing lead? And he's already had his first shift. Um, you know these these players have a ton of pressure. I mean, with Petey and his and, and and the stuff that he's going through. I actually the retaliation that he took and the penalty that he took. Yes, you know the game against uh, Calgary. There, he's in. He's involved. He's frustrated. He's pissed off. There's no question about it. And, and there's probably nobody working harder than him to get out of it and um you know we all look at certain individuals to get your teams out of things and, and he understands that as this team is going to go he has to be a major part of it and um you know uh, it, it's going to be sooner than later for him there's just no question that he's just not sitting back and and expecting it to come he's you know you may even first home game everybody just takes a deep breath we're back in you know familiar surroundings we're in our own dressing room we're we're home here let's let's get this uh home stand off on a on the right note you know no fans whatever it, it, let's just go out home and play and uh you know good things happen at home and then uh, that's where streaks end and that's where streaks start
4: yeah you 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 can't deny he hasn't been engaged he's just been frustrated to james point ken with all that talent you had in pittsburgh was it the same thing when that power play might get into a funk that it was the simplified, someone get in front of the net, shoot the puck? Is that just the, the answer to most, no matter how talented your, your five-man unit might be?
1: You know, I was I was always on the other side of it. I was penalty killing that power play unit yeah. in practice. And I guarantee you, I felt, and every other guy that's, that was on the penalty kill in practice felt the frustration of those players because they were... As pissed off, even not more pissed off in practice than they were in a game, and they had to figure it out. And if you checked or or hit or took the puck off of one of those guys, they let you have it. Whether they slashed you or they cross-checked you or they hit you harder, I mean, you were used to to make that power play go. And uh, they they work very very hard. And sometimes the puck just doesn't go in, and uh, it's it's, hard, it's real hard to explain. But it sometimes it doesn't matter how nice a play or it's perfect backdoor sitting there with wide open net and somehow the puck just does not find a way to go across the line but it will and uh, you just got to keep going at it and uh, and 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 sticking with the process and uh, sticking with the hard work and it'll eventually go in and um, then you're off and, and running
3: you never went through a goal scoring slump right
1: no, never. Never. <laughs> yeah, those are not fun. I don't care what uh, level you're at, whether you're playing minor hockey or whether you're playing in the pros. If you're expected to score and you go into some sort of a dry spell for a couple of games, it's not fun at all. It's the worst feeling you can possibly be if you're a goal scorer. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. Thank you. Stay safe, guys. Nice to
3: catch up. You as well. Thanks, uh, Ken. There he is, uh, Kent Priestley, Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuta Street in Vancouver, or check him out online at dunbarlumber.com. You know, Parrot, twice this morning now, we've talked to former players that have both kind of interpreted the PD slash that cost $4,000 and have looked internally as to something might be there. And whether is it just sheer frustration on P.D.'s part, or is there something more? Now, I think the body language in the penalty box would tell you that, I mean, it's just a guy who's frustrated. But P.J. Stock in the 6 o'clock hour suggested this might be an opportunity for this guy starting to clear his space saying, you know what, I'm going to take mine as an alpha dog here. And Ken kind of hinting to that possibility as well.
4: Well, you, you, you find that with the superstars going, hey, they're, they're going to be in your face now. Don't let them do that. I don't know if it sends that message. I think he certainly has been engaged. But yeah, there's frustration. And I, I think there's a respect factor when you do something like that. You go, you're not going to be able to get in his face an awful lot. I think he proved that a lot in the bubble, too, that it, whatever you're going to do to him, he was going to try and give it back. Uh, I, I find it interesting and a really unique perspective that Ken gave us there with with all that talent in Pittsburgh and you wonder, well, how do you fix it? It doesn't mean anything until we see them score goals in an actual game. And and for him to say, no, guess what? Come practice time. If you're killing that penalty, you kill it as hard as you can. So, so there's an interesting mix because you get a practice in and you're working on the power play because they can't score and you're working on the penalty because they can't kill a penalty. Maybe together there'll be some symmetry and they'll figure it all out right now for the Canucks. But, um, I don't know. I I have this feeling tonight um, that we do see uh, the best 60-minute performance. And Travis Green said, hey, we played a good 20 minutes in Calgary. That's not it. This team has to play maybe 50 minutes. They're good enough to take 10 minutes off in a game, and they might be able to win with good goaltending. But for the most part, these guys aren't good enough yet to throw the sticks in the middle of the ice, especially against the competition. they got to work hard and get it done for 60 minutes against a Montreal team because – Going 3-0, and oh, don't like their chances. 0-3, oh, right now that seems a little more likely. Just win this three-game set. Get out of here with more points than Montreal. Start climbing yourself back in the race.
3: Well, it's a daunting test, right? Because, you know, you you want to use this as a measuring stick. You want to get better. you got to turn things around. There's plenty of room for improvement. But you're also talking about a team that comes in and playing really good hockey right now. And this is the same team that's going with the same parameters, right? No exhibition games. There's a lot of turnover and a lot of change into the Montreal Canadiens roster, but it's working for them right now. So no excuses. Level playing field tonight. Canucks also have the last change. We'll see if they make a difference tonight. We're going to talk to John Garrett, uh, Sportsnet hockey analyst, coming up at 8 o'clock on your Canucks commute. Lots more coming your way here on this game day. Also, some other news going down. The Jays making a massive splash last night as they reel in George Springer, formerly of the Houston Astros, to a Jays record $150 million contract. And also Tiger Woods in the headlines again as well. It's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650.
6: Hansel over that Penguin logo. Down the right wing into Washington zone. Chips it to himself further down the wing. In the right wing, circle to LeTanc, fresh on the ice, a shot, Stop the rebound, they score! It's
0: Crosby tucking it home, and you can lock the doors and turn out the lights because the Penguins have won this game in overtime. Sydney. Crosby, 5-4, Pittsburgh. Morrissey tried to move it ahead and did. Bouncing puck, a two-on-one with Koff. Koff across the line for Ehlers, moving in. Shoots, he scores! Nikolai Ehlers with a huge goal! And the Winnipeg Jets for the second time already this year will win it in overtime! it in here. Goes for Barkov. Over for a shot of the score. Right Frank Toronto sends him home with the overtime winner. 5-4, Florida. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sebolski and Perry Solkowski on SportsNet 650.
3: You get a bonus point. You get a bonus point. You get a bonus oh. point. Four games that went to overtime last night, Pair, uh, including the Senators and the Jets. Ottawa squandering a 2 nothing lead. Uh, Nick Ehlers getting the uh, the bonus point for the Jets last night as uh, the Jets take that one. On a night that there was no Tim Stutzler or Patrick Line in the matchup, uh, but lots of OT and five games on the sked tonight, including the Canucks and the Habs. And uh, also the earlier one on uh, nationally across the country tonight, you got Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Against Austin Matthews and the Leafs,
4: and James, I don't want to brag, but but you have seen my account as to how I have been uh-huh. uh, wagering and uh-huh. hitting things in football. I have yet to lose in hockey. Uh, yesterday, and we didn't have time. Uh, it was all. It's always been about bounce back games, so it's Philadelphia to win, and and they were. That's a good Flyers team that they have there. Uh, but then also going, you know what? I think the Pens are going to win this thing, and they'll do it on the money line. Uh, and then the Wings, I'm I'm working, and on the computer I'm watching NHL Live. I'm going to just check in on the Wings in the last five minutes. They were great. Uh, you know, the Wings will probably win this in overtime. Bertuzzi gets it in, going off his butt. I've been on an absolute roll, uh, and I've actually looked at everything tonight, going, I don't know if I'd touch anything tonight. The, the percentages of teams that lose the first game, like the Flyers did against Buffalo and then play 24 hours later, it's good. So watch this game tonight in Vancouver and then take whoever loses um, <laughs> because winning two in a row is not easy this year.
3: You know what? The, the Capitals looked in total control last night against the Penguins. And yeah. then uh, Pittsburgh comes back with uh, three unanswered, including uh, 87 with the OT winners, Crosby and the Penguins. Take that one over Ovechkin in the caps. Um, Tiger Woods announcing that uh, it's going to be a little bit of a, a slow start to 2021 after uh, – he has undergone back surgery yet again for uh Tigers. So um do we see the match? Have you watched his doc? I've watched I've watched the first part and man, it just uh it just fascinating. Like I the the amount of time that his dad pushed him to golf. Um I yes. mean like it, it's it's fascinating. It's it's heartbreaking in some respects. It's complicated. Like you can see that there was clearly a close relationship, but um, also kind of, you know, de- diving into the element that Earl was uh, a guy who liked to stray himself and kept a yeah. Winnebago at the practice courses and talking about that sort of primary male influence that Tiger had. Um, man, just what a complex relationship for, you know, the greatest, you know, the, the, obviously the, the, the biggest athlete next to Michael Jordan, um, you know, in the last 25 years.
4: Uh, Tiger Woods Syndrome, I don't know if it was a good thing for a lot of kids because of the success that he had and what people knew of Earl. Now, certainly this documentary pulls the curtains back farther. A couple of things that that stuck with me that you just felt bad, that this guy was never really allowed to be a kid. Great footage of no. him and his high school sweetheart, where Tiger's doing exactly that. But another thing that struck me, and I do believe it was in the, in the first doc, was when he comes back from Stanford University, as kids would do, tell mom and dad, I'll be back on Thursday. And he's actually back Wednesday and goes to his girlfriend's house and hangs out for the day. Um, And then comes in and tells mom and dad, actually, I was back yesterday, but I stayed at her house. And then she reads the letter that she received a couple of days later, which was almost like a form letter from a company, ending what had been their two or three-year relationship. You just realize this kid doesn't have a chance to be a normal kid um it's all about earl and success and tiger being one of the greats ever yes he achieved that but at what cost
3: if you're if you're tiger woods and you watch that hbo doc which is brilliantly done do you not find like how do you feel watching that where it's like a, this is your life right you've got the the child the, the family childhood friend who's weighing in with his whole perspective and talking about your dad who's passed you got your kindergarten teacher you know, talking about how your dad was a pain in the ass. You got your first legit girlfriend who's kind of pulling out the old letter that she's kept, what, 25 years later. This yeah. is a, in, in excellent condition, by the way. Um, what would that thing sell for There's on eBay? There's a item for you, yes. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the I yeah. got dumped by Tiger Woods letter, now available on eBay. Bidding starts at oh. dot, dot, dot. And, and, you know, like all these people that have taken part to do these interviews and, um, I, I mean, look, to help shape the, a guy who was just built for this since he was pretty much brought into the world, and, um, you know, how, how Earl would sit there and sh- rattle change in his pocket, right? Or having loud conversations just to, you know, to allow his son to focus and block out the distractions on the golf course, right? All of it, and then to see how frustrated Tiger would get with the clicking of a camera years later, right? Well, what happened? To all that change yeah. in Earl's pocket.
4: Boy, it, it, it was quite a road that he traveled. I don't know if he would want his kids to watch it because there's not a lot of that that's good. Well, I mean, that's great. you can triumph yeah. on the golf course and see how he played and won that U.S. Open with essentially a broken leg and gutted it out. And that is complete determination. But this is a guy who's been in search of a lot of things. Credit to him to see that he has, and we watched him a few weeks ago playing with Charlie, that he has repaired that relationship. And and hopefully by all accounts become a good dad because of what he didn't have and credit to his wife. Like you have never heard from Elon. Like I cannot, I don't think she's ever said anything. And to have that, um, play out for the world to see, um, Credit to both of them as long as the kids are the first priority, and it seems like it is. But we'll see with this back injury if he can get back and play again. I mean, he had that great finish in 2019, won it in the Masters. But uh, what a decorated life and what a strange story that he lived. A fascinating documentary. I mean, for the
3: amount of money the Tigers made, and that was probably, you know, divvied up in that settlement, I'm, I'm going to guess that there's probably some form of non disclosure agreement that he yes. has signed, right? If like we could. If we could guess on that, so uh, yeah, but just yeah, I mean, I, I think you make a great point though. The for that to come out at the point where he's still uh, he's still playing, his kids are young, that'd be a tough one as a child to to have to be subjected to, perhaps, and you know other kids dealing with that. I remember Sean Burke relaying a story, and I know we're up against the clock, but Sean Burke, longtime NHL goaltender, um, he shared a story about how Dave Mustaine, uh, you know metal god right uh formerly of metallica of megadeth fame and you know when behind the music had done this uh this rock doc on megadeth and talked about dave's struggles where you know he battled demons with alcoholism and you know i remember sean saying that he got to know Mustaine, and Mustaine had asked him for a favor where his kids were getting teased and bullied at school because of the doc and talking about you know his dad being you know, their their parent being a, a, you know, a degenerate for a lack of a better description yeah. because of all the struggles that he had had. And, you know, Sean did a favor to Dave Mustaine and wound up going to the school and to the class and talking to, you know, Dave Mustaine's son's class to just kind of talk about, you know, equality and, and just, you know, talk to the class and kind of, Gave, it was almost like a little pat on the back for for Dave's son who was going through a tough time in school because of the teasing at the time. And Mustain years later, as a favor, to, you know, as a thank you, wound up bringing Sean Burke's goalie mask with Led Zeppelin logos and imaging on it. He got Jimmy Page to sign that helmet. But you know, it, it's a hard thing to go to as a kid because you don't sign up for that sort of stuff, right? I mean, nope. it's kind of what your parents do and what their behavior is, and and it ultimately impacts the kids sometimes.
4: Yep, kids don't know that, right? Kids don't know totally. what dad did. He's just his dad, right? Uh, and Tiger Woods is a dad to a lot of those kids just trying to be exactly that. Um, but it's, it's, it's fascinating to see. You kind of forget a little bit about it. And um, yeah, who, who would have thought? I just, I didn't like the fact that there's so many, all of a sudden you see these three-year-olds on a driving range when Tiger had the success. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. 10,000 oh hours, club in his hand. He's going to be great. Not the case. Let, him, let kids be kids. Tiger wasn't allowed to do that but in the end result, uh, became one of the world's greatest athletes.
3: Your Canucks commute is just around the corner. We'll catch up with John Garrett as well. It's all next. Game day, people. Canucks and Habs here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
0: A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute.
7: We actually uh, share the same agent. So uh, before the season, my agent warned me. He was like, hey, this guy's awesome, but uh, he he likes to talk a lot. (laughs) And I was like, we'll see, but... As soon as I met him, he, he's a down-to-earth
0: genuine guy, and, you know, he brings a lot of light to the locker room. A five-star morning on the starting lineup.
3: There's Adam Godette on the always personable. Nate Schmidt as at uh, the hockey god, if you will, appearing on uh, OT last night with women on uh, Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski here on this Wednesday morning. Just after 8 o'clock here, and this is your Canucks Commute, a presentation of Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. The Canucks come into this one tonight pair, having lost three straight games, hoping to turn around this losing skid, this trend that has been uh, kind of for a lot of fans against a team that is uh, looking like one of the legit heavyweights right now in the Gord Downey All-Canadian Division?
4: Well, they got out of the starting blocks really well, and I think there was a lot of questions, not as to would the Montreal Canadiens be good, but how long would it take for them to find some chemistry? Um, And they found it right away in that first game against Toronto. You knew defensively they'd be okay, but okay, what would Anderson bring them? Well, he brought them some grit. Would Toffoli be able to score for them? Hasn't put up big numbers, but... Everyone seems to be to fit in well. Uh, I love the Russian on the blue line. He's been great. The one thing I will say, I, I still think the belief in that Vancouver Canucks dressing room is if we play our game, we're okay. Like they're good enough to go. If we play well, we can beat pretty much anybody on the other side of the ice. Problem is they've only played well for a handful of minutes, 20 minutes against the Calgary flames. They were the much better team, but then it disappeared between the ears. So uh, excited to see what they do, and James, March tenth of last year is the last time they walked out of their dressing room and onto home ice. I know eighteen thousand aren't there going crazy, but you have to think there's at least a comfort zone to go. Wow, forgot what this was like. I think that'll give them that extra boost that they're looking for tonight.
3: Well, and that's that's the one thing you know. It's a great point because this is typically. Tonight, when the Habs and the Canucks-Rogers Arena, it's one of the hottest crowds of the year, right? You got half the, the building packed with Habs fans, and they are loud and ready to make their voices be heard because the Habs only come to town once a year. So it's just a fired-up group. And then you got the Canucks fans that are trying to defend their building, protect the house, if you will. And it just you've got the two sides kind of warring fans in the building. It's just such a great energy. It'll be different, obviously, tonight. But this is the best Habs team that we have seen roll into Vancouver in a very long time. When you look at the depth here, pair obviously it starts in goal with Carey Price, you know, and a pretty good backup this year in Jay Callen. But, you know, look at that back end, right? Shea Weber, you bring in a Stanley Cup winner, Joel Edmondson. You know, Jeff Petrie's off to another good start. Romanov, like you were just talking about, who looks like just an absolute keeper uh, so far. Sharat's out there on that back end. And then up front, Gallagher, Tatar, Suzuki. Kotkaniemi, Anderson, who's been a home run signing so far since the Habs brought him over in the Domi trade. You know, Jonathan Drouin seems to be off to a solid start as well. Tyler Toffoli getting chances, not really finishing so far, but it's a, a nice, deep group looking forwards. Um, no alpha dog, but a lot of depth there.
4: Everything fits for them right now, right? Everybody's in place. you got the young kids, but they're surrounded by the veterans who still have the skill. They're they're big, and that's something I'm really looking forward to this week. Their blue line is big, and their blue line can push people around if they so choose. And you know you haven't seen that, and you won't see that against the Edmonton Oilers. And and they've got some size on the mm-hmm. Flames, in but that's not their game. Hey, Shea Weber is going to make sure he'll have no problem along the boards. That you're going you're going to eat a little bit of glass. They'll do exactly that. Edmonton would do the same thing. So I think we will see a more physical style of game which would be something that all the Canucks are used to. Holglander, I think, saw it was a little bit different in Calgary than Edmonton. He'll see the next level here. At the end of the day, for the Vancouver Canucks, if they can play well and get something going, and here's one thing where the team is different. So what would be the worst-case scenario for the Canucks? You take an early penalty, you give up a goal in the power play. Excellent. We're not disciplined again, and that's what we talked about. And our PK sucks, and it didn't kill off the first penalty. But this is where you go back to the bubble and go, at least there now is a mental strength with this team. You know, you're down 3-1 to the St. Louis Blues in a hockey game with 20 minutes left, and you find a way to go, we're not quitting. We're not quitting. They need to take that mentality, and it's pretty early. But to go, yeah, you should be frustrated, as the coach said they are. Yeah, Petey, you need to put some points on the board, and and you're not going to take dumb penalties again. So they've been to a place where they go, man, this is on us. We've come from worse situations. It's only four games in the season. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out quickly. And I think that's the response we'll get tonight.
3: Well, look, I mean, I I like the Montreal Canadiens in this North Division to win it. And, you know, so far, so good. I mean, three games in, so I'll, you know, I I won't pat myself on the back too much just yet. But, you know, look, on the flip side, the Canucks, Elias Pettersson, he didn't go pointless longer than two games last season.
7: Mm
3: -hmm. He doesn't have a point in his last three games. At some point, he's due. Canucks power play right now, 0 for 15. And the danger to that is Montreal's power play operating at 40% right now to start the season, which does not bode well for the Canucks penalty killing unit that has given up seven power play goals on 21 power play chances for the opposition. Look, they need to be better. Was it a lack of chemistry for this team with some of the changes that they made in the room? A lack of exhibition games. Travis Green isn't buying any of it. I love what he had to say here yesterday afternoon to the media, where he said this team just simply needs to be better.
2: Excuses? I'm not. I'm not going to make excuses for that. Yeah, we haven't had exhibition games. Yeah, we've got some new players. Uh, you can make. You can make excuses, or you can look for answers. And and I'm not going to use excuses. And I and I'm. I don't think our players will either. So uh, everyone's on the same playing field. No one's had exhibition games. We just haven't played well enough. And that's the bottom line. If you don't play well, if you don't play good enough, you don't win in the NHL. And, uh, you know, you can't have half your team playing the way they should and half your team not. We need everyone to play better. And, Certain players need to raise their game. They know that. And I'm confident they will.
3: So, Travis Green, uh, ready to see his team bounce back. And they start three games tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, let's bring John Garrett, Cheech, into the fold here on this uh, Wednesday morning. Cheech, before we get to all this, what's going down tonight at Rogers Arena, how about George Springer in a Blue Jays uniform here? Yes.
7: Oh, I know. I know. You look at that lineup. look at the top in that lineup. Now, you can't pitch mm-hmm. around. There you go. Teoscar came through last year, and now that uh, Bichette, uh, Vladdy, it, it's going to be a murderer's row for the Blue Jays.
8: Uh,
7: it,
4: it is It is going to be fun because of what they've done. Maybe a little bit unexpectedly here. Uh, is what we saw in the first four games unexpected from the Canucks in your view, John? Uh
7: I I would say yes, um, but not necessarily so because of the value of uh, J.T. Miller to the team. Uh, I think he played every game last year, if I'm not mistaken. Every game or all but one of the games that the Canucks played last year. Uh, He he was really good. He was uh, kind of the inspirational leader on the team. Uh, He made... Elias Pedersen that much better Uh, he made that line go he played the I think he played the second most time on the power play Uh, he he took the second most face-offs he took the pressure off bowl because he was taking some of the face-offs too but the the thing is the you have to score goals and you get those from your best players and uh, the Canucks have scored nine goals in four games and uh, they're playing the Canadians tonight who have scored 12 in three games. And uh, I think uh, the thing that Canucks the other night in Calgary played their best period of the season in the first period and came out with a one nothing lead. Uh, they should have had three or four goals at least in that first period and didn't, and you have to be opportunistic too. It's really early, and I know Travis is saying don't make Uses and uh, so you get to come home. But I really think that the Canucks uh, missed having training camp. Uh, they were on such a roll in the bubble last year, and uh, they made some changes, and uh, changes from players who had been here a while and uh, a little different uh, bringing in some defensemen who are playing all the time uh, in Nate Schmidt. and uh, Then Travis Hamanick didn't practice. Uh, until the last two days before the game started. And JT Miller flies in and uh, had one practice and then started playing again. And uh, he was really good in the first period. And then you could tell the adrenaline wore off a little bit. He wasn't as good in the last 40 minutes. So I I think the Canucks
4: coming home for six,
7: uh, I am anticipating them winning at least four of
4: these six. Hmm. Travis Green not making excuses. John Garrett, though, with uh, <laughs> this a weekend. Uh, well, yeah, I, yeah, I know he doesn't know. want to make
7: excuses because he doesn't want the players to think, well, okay, this is okay, and uh, yeah, yeah, there's a it's, come on. Uh, you can understand his his thinking, but you have to look at it realistically. You just you, mm-hmm. you can't just say, well, okay, there's no excuses. You expect the team to be a hundred percent. Well, you look at the outside influences, and the it's not excuses; it's facts.
3: John Garrett with us here on Sportsnet 650. Okay, so with that with that in mind, you know, we were just kind of mentioning the stat before you joined us, but, you know, Peterson never went more than two games without a point last year. We're four games in. He doesn't have one in three straight here now. What do you see that's different about Petey?
7: Uh, but the other teams are, are keying on him more. I, I think that's part of it. And, again, you get back to that uh, having no JT Miller uh, it's a lot easier to uh, key on on Elias Pettersson. And uh, the first game, you look at uh, Brock Besser got a couple goals, so that takes the pressure off. But then if Brock's not going to, uh, the other teams, just, and you watch especially on the power play, uh, how teams are shading over to Elias, uh, uh, he has to work harder to get out of that. He can't get frustrated. You saw the... Uh, Dick swinging in Calgary and uh, I think the other teams realize that uh, if they shut Petey down, that's really going to hurt the Canucks, but uh, you have to get goals from other people and who's going to score? Adam Gaudet had a goal in the first game and should have had three or four in uh, the Calgary game, the last game and you need to be, when you get those chances, you have to cash in and uh, I know Adam was frustrated after the game and talked about it but uh, it still you have to show up on the scoreboard and you look around the league and goals from defensemen and uh, look at Montreal Uh, they have a power play in each of their three games and the Canucks are over and uh, special teams are so important especially now when you're playing the same teams over and over again you have to adapt and adjust and be flexible and uh, the Canucks your special teams have to be a big part of it. And the penalty kill is another thing that uh, you just can't go out and say, well, okay, the goaltender has to stop everything. You have to make sure that uh, you're clogging up the neutral zone and not letting the other teams come in just freely every rush. Every time you clear it, the other team comes down and uh, has a chance to set up. Uh, The Canucks haven't been able to do that on their power play, so their penalty kill has to be able to, Uh, change and make sure that the other team doesn't come in and spend a minute and a half in the offensive zone every power play
4: we say it quite often and is that the answer to their power play because you know i think you and shorty even commented they can have power plays where it's really fun to watch because they can move that puck around so well problem is they're just moving the puck around on the outside is it just a matter of getting simple and greasy and, and getting to where it hurts to score in the dirty areas
7: well, that's part of it, but you have to you have to have some movement of the players too. You have to make the penalty killers chase, and uh, I think the Canucks have uh, have a plan and and they want to set up the one timer for Petey, and they they want to have uh, Quinn in the middle for the point shot, and then have traffic in front. But uh, you have to you can't just be stagnant. And We showed an example of a five on three uh, in Calgary that the Canucks had. Uh, minute 22, uh, five on three, and uh, there was there had to be 20 to 30 passes, but they were all standing still, uh, throw it back, and then throw it to one side, throw it back, throw it to the other side, and uh, the triangle was just standing still, and then Chris Tanev would just get in the shooting lane, and uh, it was non-productive. So I, I, I'm sure they'll adjust, and uh, I bet the, you, know, you would think the power play would Finally, come through. The odds are with it. Uh, You've got these games at home, and uh, you feel more comfortable in your own dressing room. And uh, you get at least to go and see the family. I know the influence of the fans is gone, but uh, you just you look around the league, and uh, I don't think home ice advantage is going to be as much as it was with fans. But it's still an advantage. Coast last change, and uh, just the fact that you feel more comfortable playing at home.
3: Yeah, no, no, I tot- I can totally get that. The, the, the element of the cozy confines. Tell me this, I mean, with the penalty kill operating the way it is, um, giving up basically a goal for every one out of every three chances, uh, and they've given up a lot with 21 of them so far, do you consider, is it crazy to think that maybe Travis Green thinks about the idea of using Louis Erickson to kind of settle things down a little bit where... Get him out there. I just wonder who would you draw out when you've got Montreal's added a lot of size. They're big on the back end. They've obviously added Anderson as well up front. To not a small body either.
7: Would you consider Louis to draw in? Uh, I I don't know. I I, I would consider it. I, I I Louis is a good penalty killer. He's yeah. a smart d- defensive player. I would consider it for sure, but uh, I think it, it, we were ready not, to write him off, Cheech, and now we're yeah, ready to bring him back, right? We were like, ready <laughs> to bring him back. Well, if he's there, why not? Why yeah. not? But uh, as you say, then who do you pull out, and uh, you start to tinker with? Can I use four lines or not? And uh, I I think it's more. You, you saw the Giordano goal the other night. The penalty kill is it's just you get in a rut where everything's going in and uh, your goalie can't make the big save when you need it. And uh, The Giordano goal was a typical, okay, you're panicking. Everybody's overreacting. All four guys were by, almost behind the goal line. Uh, Jay Beagle, the pass, uh, yeah. Hamannick throws a pass to him, but he's two feet away from the goal line. And there's Giordano standing in the slot with nobody within 20 feet. And, uh talk about well okay you play the box or you play the diamond or whatever penalty kill you want to try and do but there's always somebody out there by the point, man and that was just oh man and uh the gaudreau goal again all five guys for the canucks and it wasn't a penalty kill but all five guys were back and everybody was just hacking and whacking at the puck instead of taking a man and uh i think that canucks are have been in the first four games just Uh, chasing the game and uh, obviously they're taking way too many penalties too Uh, you can't be giving the other team at least five power plays a game and uh, expect it not to score so you have to be more disciplined that way
4: well and John I think you make a fair point we've sat the last couple of days Pedersen Pedersen you got to score where's the top line who's going to get goals but you know your experience Sutter's and 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 um Beagles and the Mots. hey, they haven't done their job either, like collectively as a team, this has been a little bit of a fail that everyone has to be that much better it, we've kind of been unfair, have we not gone you're not scoring so it's on number forty. well <laughs>
7: I think that's he I think he likes the pressure of that, and uh he is the key element of of the offense i don't think there's any doubt about that and uh Sure, you'd like Jay Beagle to score, but how many, excuse me, how many do you think? Well,
4: he's not going uh, Jay, to, but, but I'm just saying a lot think? of the Jay guys B- haven't done Jay their Jay Beagle's a 10 scorer score. Score.
7: at the most in an 82-game season. Brandon yes. Sutter had one big year, and you expect in an 82-game season, you expect him, too, to be 10 to 15. So you don't expect those guys to score, but you expect them to be very responsible defensively, be at least even, and then kill penalties. Tyler Mott, you don't expect him to score. Uh, It was nice when he was scoring in the bubble and in the playoffs, uh, but then Tyler Mott, your prime penalty killer, and how many penalties has he taken this year? Uh, You have to be more disciplined that way when you know you're uh, the first group in the penalty kill and you're sitting in the penalty box, and they scored three times, I think, when Tyler's been in the penalty box. So uh, you have to do... You know you have to be more disciplined that way, and uh you expect the defense to get involved and that's a new defenseman It takes a little while uh, Nate Schmidt has a goal, but uh you would hope that he gets more involved and Travis Hamminet gets more involved and uh it's it's going to take a little time, but that's the thing with the fifty six game season you you don't have that you can't go into a slump where uh you Nothing out of eight games in a row. And you look around the late last night, uh, Winnipeg, Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa gets a point out of it, but uh, Winnipeg goes in and they're down 3-1 and their backup goalie's playing and they, they still come out of there with two points. And uh, the Canucks haven't had those bonus points yet. And you've got to make sure that you're close enough where you can get a tie.
3: Cheech, looking forward to it tonight. It's been a while since there's been a legitimate game called at Rogers Arena, and uh, you'll be part of in it. In front of you, yes. Oh, I know,
7: and not calling it off a monitor, <laughs> actually being able to see the benches and, and like the other night. Uh, and this, I'm whining, and I, I know people say, "Well, yeah," but at least you get to do the game, and uh, and it's true. And I it's not the same, it. man. It's yeah, not the it's same. not the same. No. Well, the Tyler Myers thing. Yeah. Like, and I'm I'm buzzing to Toronto, who is. Uh, we're doing it off the monitor, so our producers in Toronto, and but we're taking the uh, Calgary feed. So I want to see the Kachuk slash on Tyler Myers before the punch in the head. And cost uh, it, but because we're seeing the Calgary show, uh, we can't get it. We the producer won't in, on the Calgary show. He won't go back 15 seconds and and show the slash the. Kachuk right. slash because it's the Calgary show. So Kachuk sure. you know, has never taken it.
4: an instigator in his life on Calgary TV.
7: Well, <laughs> he draws more penalties than anybody in the league. So yeah. I wonder why. And then he goes down like Mike Tyson hit him, and uh, he's out there next shift. So you know, come on.
3: I uh, I hear you, man. It's uh, you know I don't think anybody signs up to be a play-by-play guy or an analyst, if you will, to uh, call it off a monitor. But you know we're certainly doing the best we can from a health and safety standpoint. But Cheech, you got a real one tonight, man. We're looking yes, forward to to catch it. Uh, stay safe and uh, get that Blue Jays cap on there. All right. Okay. Thanks.
7: And now I can now that you've got me up early, I can go and watch the inauguration. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, you know,
3: See, there was a reason to wake up to us this morning. Yeah. That's right,
7: John. Thanks, John. Okay, thank you.
3: There you go. Uh, John Garrett uh, weighing in here on your Canucks commute this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Cheech and Shorty ready to bring in the action. Reminder, uh, pregame show here on Sportsnet 650 starts at 5 o'clock puck drop with Batch and Hershey from Rogers Arena coming your way 7 o'clock tonight. It should be a fun one with the Habs and uh, hey look you're going to have a hungry Canucks bunch ready to atone for what they've been doing over the last three games so expect a significant pushback from the Canucks tonight. 26 minutes after the hour, he's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Cebulski. The Blue Jays pushing their chips in and all their gold coins while they're at it as they reel in George Springer yesterday. Uh, what does it mean? We'll talk to Buck Martinez, the voice of the Blue Jays next here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, people, here on Sportsnet
1: 650. He's an elite offensive player, and he was great in 2019 and great in 2020. And
0: George drills this one deep to left center field. You can kiss that one goodbye. A two-run home run for George Springer. And the Astros lead it 5 to nothing. Springer homers for the
1: fourth straight game. He is the number one target for this franchise this offseason as a free agent. They went out and they got their man.
0: This is the starting lineup with Gene Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
3: After all the rumors and more rumors and reports and suggestions that the Jays were pretty much interested in signing anybody, we waited, we waited, we waited, and finally yesterday, the Jays not only reeled in closer, Kirby Yates the former all-star but then they go out and break the bank six years 150 million dollars for center fielder George Springer who brings a world series three all-star appearances And a massive bat to an already stacked offensive lineup. James Cebulski, Perry Solkowski, and the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays joins us here this morning as the Jays going all in. We haven't seen a contract like this handed out to George Springer since Buck Martinez, our guest, got paid the last contract, Mm -hmm. I think.
6: Buck? (laughs) Well, James, I tell you what. Paul Beeston used to tell me he'd like to do my contracts, but he only does the big ones.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair. Buck, were you surprised? That they reeled it in because, as James said, we always watch everybody else around them open up the checkbook and say, here you go. Were you surprised? I mean, it had been talked about for a while, but they finally pulled the trigger and got it done?
6: No, I wasn't surprised, given the way that the, uh, the narrative has been consistent all off season from the Blue Jays. Yeah, we're going to sign somebody. We're going to make a splash. We've got money to spend. We have needs. And uh, Springer was one of their uh, targets initially. And uh, fortunately, and congratulations to the Blue Jays for signing him. It's a great fit. He's a character guy. He's been in 63 postseason games. He's uh, MVP of the World Series in 2017. Uh, he's just a terrific player and a great person, which continues to, to build on the uh, chemistry of this ball club and the organization. Uh, they're putting character up there at the top of the list. And uh, George Springer checks all those boxes. So,
3: okay, so give me, like, is this team all in now? Like, is this a sign to say that, okay, they're ready to go? I I mean, I guess you can always look for more pitching, but when you look at that offensive lineup, we were just kind of joking a few minutes ago earlier, that's a murderer's row they've kind of got now.
6: Well, I mean, it is. You know, I don't know if it's a murderous row just yet. There's certainly a potential for that. And, uh, you know, there hasn't been that much of a track record for some of the younger guys and Vladdy and Bo and Cabin sure. and even Guriel. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of a Major League experience now. The focus is on them. They uh, are legitimately a contending ball club. And I don't think they're done yet. I, I think Ross Atkins is constantly looking to improve his ball club, whatever that might mean. Um, Yeah, starting pitching is going to be a concern. Uh, They brought Robbie Ray back. You know, they they hope Nate Pearson takes another step in the right direction. Uh, Ryu was terrific all year. But I I think they could use another starter if not two. But, um, you know, it certainly looks like they're adding their depth. Uh, The depth of talent is good. The character on the club is outstanding. And I think um, given the way the AL East is right now, the Blue Jays have certainly pushed themselves into contention position.
4: Uh, Buck, I've talked about the Jays in the last year, similar to this hockey team in Vancouver, where you have all this young talent, and the young players just welcome every bit of pressure because they walk with such great confidence. I think that's the same with the Jays. But that being said, and you just mentioned, the focus will still be on the young stars. But does this and was it needed to alleviate some of that pressure day in and day out that you have the proven veteran there that's done. It all that it's it's not going to be on your shoulders every day, and and sometimes you can fail, and you'll be okay with that guy there now. Yeah, no question
6: about it. You you got a, a grown up in the room now, in George Springer, and uh, a guy that has been through the wars. Uh, he has experienced a hundred loss season. He has uh, been in World Series. He knows what it takes to be a, a good player day in and day out, and he will be a tremendous uh, 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 moderator. Uh, mentor for these young players because he's, he does it right. He always has. He's a former first-round pick. You know, he went to college, so he was a little bit late getting to the big leagues. But boy, oh boy, you know, after a, a kind of a shaky start to his first uh, 15 days in the big leagues, he was a terrific player from that point forward. And, you know, he does everything the Blue Jays want. They wanted to improve their defense and center. They wanted to get a top bat at the top of the order. And uh, they they brought another character personality into the locker room.
3: Well, I mean, it's certainly an exciting time. And, and, you know, the reaction for Jays fans, you know, I think even the sense that, okay, well, six years, I mean, maybe that contract could be problematic in about four or five years from now. But I think there just seems to be an anticipation to say, okay, you know what? I don't care. It's nice to see this team reinvesting and and, and pushing the chips in in a significant way, at least after going through a painful rebuild. Where, you know, honestly, Buck, like, I, I look at the Jays and, and I look at Toronto and, you know, The regional market for the Jays, I mean, it's the country. It's not just Toronto, right? I mean, like, their regional broadcasts go coast to coast here. You know, this is a massive fan base. Like, I've always struggled with the rebuilds for the Jays where I go, man, like, they should be operating the way the Boston Red Sox and the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Giants kind of roll.
6: Well, I th- I think they have been. And, you know, they had some bad contracts and they got old. At the end of 16, they were old. They were one of the yeah. oldest teams in baseball. And you have to make sure that you don't have an entire team age at the same time. So that's what's impressive about this team. When you look at Springer, he's going to be 32 in September. Biggio's just 25. Bouchette's 22. Vladdy's 21. Uh, Rowdy's 25, uh, Gritchick, he's 29. So when you look at the lineup now, it is a young core that's starting to gain experience and move into the years where they're most productive. So I think it's a good sign, and I like the construction of this team to this point. But like I said before, I don't think the Blue Jays are done. I don't think we can evaluate exactly what this team is all about till the end of spring training.
4: Although it was quick, how much or how bitter are they for having that taste of playoff baseball? Say that again. How, how, how much do they get? And again, I'll, I'll use it here in Vancouver. They made the playoffs. To have that little taste of postseason baseball for that young group. that make them better? It's
6: everything. It is everything. Because now you understand what it means to play in the postseason. And yeah, they had a disappointing run against Tampa Bay. But now they understand what it takes to win. And how you have to grind it out every single day. And I know there are a lot of cliches involved. But it is truly a a team effort every day you step on the field, starting in spring training. And their focus, I'm sure, and we've heard it from the kids before. You know, Bisho, Bichette, Guerrero, they've all won in the minor leagues and they want to win in the major leagues. And now they're starting to get some complementary pieces that are going to help them do that. And it started last year with the uh, signing of Hunjin Ryu and now with George Springer and maybe another pitcher or two. You know, they just signed Kirby Yates and Tyler Chatwood to uh, fortify their bullpen so you know they're moving in the right direction but the experience of that postseason I think uh, really does a lot for their confidence knowing okay we've been there now we want to go in deeper into the postseason
3: thanks Buck Uh, an exciting day finally Uh, we've kind of waited for all these rumors for the what the last three months or so and it's uh, it's finally happening so uh, let's get some spring training going and uh, let's get that uh, let's get opening day going
6: Absolutely. I appreciate the time with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Buck. Nice to Thank catch you, up Buck. with you as
3: well. There he is. Buck Martinez uh, weighing in on the Jays signings. Uh, Kirby we- Kirby Yates, now listen, if he stays healthy, I mean, they've got themselves an all-star closer in the fold here as well. Um, but George Springer, obviously, mammoth contract here, pair six years, $150 million, as I alluded to earlier this morning. You know, Rogers spent $25 million from the province of Ontario, going back of a little over 15 years ago when they bought or 20 years ago when they they bought the old Sky Dome. Now, they basically bought six Sky Domes for what they just paid uh, for for George Springer here.
4: Yeah, I would say the value of their team has gone up incredibly as well, and they want the new building in there, and you see where this team will be. I I just think, hey, young athletes now have such confidence, and and I love that about them. They think they can get in and make a difference right away, and we've seen it from the Jays, but to... To target your guy, I mean, everybody's, you know, it doesn't matter what sport, if there's a big name free agent, everybody kick the tires to see if you can get them. But how often have you been able to say the Toronto Blue Jays have been able to get it across the finish line? They have with the money they shelled out. And as Buck would know better than than you and I, if it's the right fit in a room too, that's what works. And he says character is so high on how they're building this, this baseball team. Exciting to watch. Listen, you're so right. Some people might like, get it's hockey it's hockey but if the Blue Jays are competitive and they're rolling that just makes that six months run that much more exciting and it was fun and this this city and the country was excited just for that brief glimpse of playoff baseball if you can get it on a regular basis that's great stuff. Uh,
3: 841 here on this uh, Wednesday edition. It is game day, Canucks and the Habs ready to collide at Rogers Arena coming up later on this evening. Pre-game show, 5 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650, and then Brendan Batchelor and Corey Hirsch with the call coming your way at 7. A little look ahead to tonight's action at Rogers Arena, and we'll try to pick you some winners in the NHL tonight as well. It's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650.
2: You can make excuses, or you can look for answers, and, and I'm not going to use excuses, and, I, and I'm, I don't think our players will either.
3: And it's advantage Calgary, advantage Markstrom, Tanev, and Levo after two meetings. As the Flames take both games from the Canucks at the Scotiabank Dome this week.
2: I was just disappointed in myself for being selfish, letting my frustra- frustration take another dumb penalty.
1: Up and up
0: and now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
3: Well, after opening night a week ago, it's been all kind of downhill for the Vancouver Canucks, and they'll try to change that tune tonight, try to end a three-game slide against the Montreal Canadiens this evening at Rogers Arena. A power play that's been 0-4 that's got to be due. You know, I mean, you struck out on 15 opportunities so far. You know, Pedersen, no points in three straight games, just one assist on the season, and a penalty-killing unit that's given up seven goals on 21 opportunities. At some point, things have to change here. I just don't know if it's tonight against a Montreal Canadiens team that has looked good to start the season. I will say this, though, Pear. I'm predicting that I'm going to see a team that will look more like the first period Vancouver Canucks against Calgary on Monday night than the team that was on their heels just collecting pucks out of their own net in the final two frames in Calgary from Monday.
4: There have been some naysayers on the Dunbar-Lumber text line. And I, you know, this, this team's not that good. Uh, listen, the Vancouver Canucks did not forget how to play hockey. John Garrett didn't want to make excuses, as, as the coach did, but he said, let's be honest, no JT Miller you're getting guys adjusted to it. Um, and the Montreal Canadiens have been really good. Are they that good? I don't know. They're confident right now, and that that means something. I'm with you, though. I, I think for the first time since last March, these guys get to jump in their car, drive and park in their stall, go play a hockey game on the comfort of the place where they practice. Uh, they'll be a better hockey team. I think we don't see 20 minutes of like we saw in Calgary. We'll see 60 minutes. And if this team plays really hard for 60 minutes – Bottom line is they're talented enough to beat pretty much anyone in the NHL. They haven't enjoyed the past week. I'm with you, but I, I think we see a really good performance from uh, the Vancouver Canucks tonight. And I, I think they kind of I don't know you silence the critics. There's just a little concern. Like, where are you guys? I think we find them tonight.
3: Well, you know, what, at some point they got to be too, right? I mean, if Petey's the elite player that we all think he is, at some point he's going to have to show that, right? And at some point in time, like he never went more than two games without a point last year. And here we are with a power play that was top five in the NHL. Top five, right? This is kind of uncharacteristic for this group. They need something greasy. They need an ugly goal to go off somebody's keister, off somebody's bucket, whatever. But just break that funk, and then everybody takes that giant weight off their shoulder right now and then can kind of just focus on playing hockey again, because I think the, you know, the old hockey cliche, squeezing their sticks a little tightly. I think that is a huge issue right now for the Canucks where it's more between their ears than it is the actual ability.
4: Yeah. I, I think it's confidence right now. Right. I, it's, it's not like they forgot how to kill penalties. It's mental, It's not buddy, like yeah. all of a sudden Tyler Myers goes, you know what? I'm going to give you stick to the face and reacts. Pedersen reacts out of frustration. And, and, no, they played, it. and a point was made by Elliot Friedman on the program yesterday. You know, probably is there a worst case scenario than seeing a goalie who's watched you in practice for five years knows all your tendencies, and a guy on the a guy on the blue line who blocks shots and knows exactly your shooting lane you want, and you get a double dose of that, um, and, and that's what they saw, and they solved it for twenty minutes, just couldn't solve the, the exact riddle with Markstrom. Um, I don't know if they've been as bad as we've anticipated. It's just everyone's expectations including those that strap on the skates, was not that it's going to be easy, but we will see more wins than losses on a regular basis, and that's not how this first road trip started. So they have to change it around tonight, going against arguably the best team in the NHL as far as a start. But are the Montreal Canadiens that good? This was a team that made significant changes, but a team that was just getting into going to winning percentage too. I don't think they're the world beaters that they've shown in the last week either.
3: All right, we got to get out of here. The Scott Rintoul Show is coming your way at the top of the clock here on Sportsnet 650. Tim McAuliffe, among others, uh, Scotty also bringing you the latest from Rogers Arena. We'll hear from some of the Vancouver Canucks as well uh, on the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at nine o'clock this night, uh, this morning. Uh, five games in the NHL tonight. Anything you like to try to get paid?
4: Yeah, you know what? I play what I've been doing the whole time. When a team loses, they bounce back. The Wild lost to the Ducks, one nothing, a couple of days ago. They play again tonight. I'll take the Minnesota Wild to see. I've been perfect to start the week of NHL hockey. I'll see if the wild can get you paid tonight with a bounce back game against the ducks. I'll
3: tell you what the ducks, uh, Sorry, the wild aren't boring anymore. Like that's a fun team that's nope. got they've quietly assembled some skill there and they're they're a lot more fun and dynamic than I think we've associated for the better part of the last 20 years. I'll tell you what this one might feel like a reach. This might be out going on a limb, but I feel like Connor McDavid, Always seems to bring the A game when he goes to Toronto, when he goes home. It's Austin Matthews. It's Connor McDavid on a national scale. And Connor's going home. I think he's hungry. I think he's motivated. Give me the Oilers to take care of business against the Leafs on the road tonight.
4: I like that. I looked at that, buddy. I'll probably play that myself. There's desperation with that Edmonton team, and that guy can turn it up when he goes home. I don't don't mind that play at all.
3: Uh, we got to get out of here. The Scott Ritual Show coming up. It's game day, the first game day in 10 months here at Rogers Arena. We are looking forward to the action tonight, and we've got you covered. Pre-game show, 5 o'clock, puck drop at 7 with Batch and Hershey right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.